Hey everybody, welcome to The Collective Podcast. My name is Ash Thorpe, and this week we're trying out a new type of episode on the show. Over about two years ago, my good friend and past guest, Gavin Rothery, joined me on watching one of our favorite films, Alien. We shared our thoughts with each other as we watched the film, and we recorded it so that you guys could play it back in sync with our commentary. If you can't get your hands on a copy of the film, feel free to listen along anyways, as there is a bunch of really fun conversations and things that I think you're going to enjoy. So sit back, get ready to start the film, and enjoy the very first Collective Commentary. You guys ready? The three, two, one. I'm going to start the film. So we're watching the theatrical release, the 1979 theatrical release, which is, from what I've read and understood, is, is Ridley's um, favorite one, obviously because it's what he created. So um, in three, two, one, here we go. So we're starting out with the uh, old school 20th Century Fox logo with the w- weird z- zero. <laughs> it always bugs me because the perspective on that always. Because it's tilted, I guess. Oh, but I never it, know. That's going to annoy me now. It's super annoying. <laughs> Every time I see that now, that's going to get on my tip. But I li- I, that's the thing about these older things is um, they, uh, they're not perfect, and there's uh, beauty in the imperfections of these things, you know? i got to say, we're, we're going to see a name in a minute, and i got to say, this is somebody that, if you're interested in film or getting into the history of film, you should really look, up, look this person up, yeah. which I'll say now because we'll get distracted. Alan Ladd? Mm, yeah, yeah. It's, that guy is so influential in science fiction. Yeah. If you look up on IMDb and look at the look at the projects that he um, that he brought through Fox, like the the talent that he fostered. Bear in mind, this is Ridley Scott's second film. Yeah, it's right after the Duelist. Yeah. The Duelist. So this guy was kind of pretty much unknown at the time, and he just blasted in there with this. And you know, Alan Ladd gave him the shot. Yeah, we we're so lucky He's, to have Alan's. Uh, He's helped create so many films. So many. Seminal films. Star Wars, yeah, exactly. So when stuff. everybody was uh, like kind of laughing at these things or didn't believe in them, he he uh, he saw the potential in these things. And yeah, thankfully to him, I wish we had more of that. You know. Yeah, he's a true visionary. I mean, yes. the amount of the amount of sci-fi that got to the screen that that may well not have done if it wasn't for that that guy, or at least not in the form it did anyway. I mean. I mean, this film went through so many different um, iterations. When it, I mean, originally it was called Star Beast, right? Yeah, yeah. Dan's <laughs> original script uh, title was. How about this title sequence too? I always oh, love this title so sequence. Good. I love how it's so it's up high and and it's turning. You know, the the letters that we are commonly known uh, we understand to like glyphs almost, and um, really kind of just building in. And how great is it that it's. You just have this long pan, this long um, entry. Really takes the time, right? Yeah, and I also love. I mean, it's not really unless you're really paying attention. Um, they don't really say a date. I mean, there there is a date in this film. I think it's like twenty thirty seven or something. I like, like that. that. The, the Me too. Because yeah, you don't need it, you know. Look at this old school crawl. Oh old man. School crawl. Yeah. Twenty thirty second shot. Right yeah. down. Gorgeous, gorgeous classic sci fi from the eighties. It's, it's really beautiful too when there's no there, there's no dialogue for like the first I don't know five or six minutes of this film which I find to be beautiful there will be blood I think also does like it's like 11 minutes or something with no dialogue it's just you're building so, the world you're setting the stage you're getting people look at, ready look at this though look at what they've given us already look at yeah. that don't you want to see more of this it's yeah. like 
what what is that box? What does it do? Who who's here? Like, <laughs> who lives here? Like so many questions when you see this stuff. I mean, is that real right there? Is that this... a corridor mirror effect? Do you think is that a real corridor? It's a, it's a corridor with a mirror at the end that's mm. got a slight bend on it. You guys did that on Moon, right? Um, we did a false perspective set on Moon where it, it kind of got smaller in the distance. That's right, towards um, the end of the film, I remember. Yeah, it works. It's in the clone room downstairs. It works well as long as you don't get too close. To, as long as you don't move the angle too much, it works okay. Yeah. Ah oh, man, it's but, just. Um, yeah. Look at this. It's like uh, this it's is okay. just. It's just gorgeous. Everything you see is just really, really compelling. Yep. And it's just really smart filmmaking, too, from my perspective of just introducing the world, not putting yeah. – you're just you're, – you're putting everybody in this station, you know, and you're really um, introducing everybody in the audience to the world you're about to um, be involved with for the next two hours. Ah, so beautiful. And look at these, like, little abstract things. It's just – the textures and the quality and the level of of, of depth is just it's un, it's so insane. Cool motion as well, it's so cool. I got to say, these emergency helmets. I would, I have like a secret goal one day. I don't know if those things even exist. <laughs> I just, I just want one of those helmets. <laughs> How much uh, alien stuff do you have? You probably have a bit decent collection of stuff. Yeah, I've got quite a bit of stuff. Uh, <laughs> yeah. it's it's a, it's an ongoing concern. <clears throat> of mine to basically try and live inside the Nostromo. <laughs> Which originally was what? It was named the, the Lothiathan. And then like... Yeah. The, well, it was Snark originally. The Snark, yeah, yeah, which was like Dan's original thing. For those that are listening don't know who Dan O'Bannon, he uh, wrote the script for this. He also cr- directed yes. a film called uh, Dark Star. Is it Dark Star? No, he didn't. John Carpenter directed Dark Star. He worked Dark with him. Was... Weirdly enough, Dan O'Bannon worked with John Carpenter in a very similar fashion on Dark Star that I did with Duncan on Moon. Hmm. So uh, John he, he also did graphics, like the graphic design for the like for the uh, screens in Star Wars and stuff too. He did, yeah, he did. <laughs> yeah, off the back of Dark Star. Um, yeah. he did direct a film. He directed the nineteen eighty five zombie film Return of the Living Dead, ah. which was the first film that had running zombies. Not twenty eight weeks later, although they're technically not zombies and infected. <laughs> I love that film too. We should do that one sometime. That's a good film. That's a, that's it's one of the best zombie films, dark, in my opinion. Yeah, it's darkly funny. Yeah, it's heavy. It's a heavy one. That's one of his favorite, my favorite films of his too. Here we go. We get the chamber opening up. How beautiful is this? I mean, it's just like the thought. The thought that comes into this. It's just it, this is made when for was, film. It's made I remember for when film. I was like, how old was I? Like a, when I was a little, a little lad. I had the Alien picture book. Um, I got the alien picture book. My mum and dad got it me. I don't think they realised what it was. <laughs> and it's like a movie book with all the pictures in. And I remember really trying really hard on the pictures covering this image to try and see Sigourney Weaver's boobs. <laughs> I couldn't tell if you could see them or not. And I was just trying to really just trying to kind of figure out if I could see a sneaky bit of boob or not. <laughs> Sigourney's a beautiful woman. Yeah, like I love all the um, iconography that did. Cobb do a lot of that stuff. On That's like the Ron Cobb semi-oak yeah. standard that he designed for this whole film. Did a lot it's of stuff. One of the most significant pieces of sci-fi graphic design. Yeah, media he, he created a yeah. lot of mythology in his own understanding. I think with Cobb, it was all about figuring out why the thing was there for what reason and, and discovering that yeah. and building out reason for it. The hypothetical engineering thing, it's a great way to work. Like his diaper, like, <laughs> walking through this. Yes, <laughs> space, space diaper. It's cool. The first guy that walks out too is the first one to die too. There's a lot oh, of these. Is, 
this is the thing about about this film. If you look at it so closely, <clears throat> only if you look at Alien on one hand, right? I'll tell you what I have got: those coffee cups. Um, <laughs> a, a friend of mine, uh, Frederick Blanchard, sent me um, one of those cups. So I have a, a proper Alien coffee cup <laughs> with the Whalen logo on it. Yeah, yeah, awesome. Like, like they're all drinking from here. Yeah. Um, like you said, like John Hurt, he was the first one out, first one to die. Um, this film, if you look at it, a lot of people think of Alien as just being a monster going around killing everybody. It, it, it really isn't that. It's humans attacking at the alien. <laughs> they all die from their own stupidity. Yeah. It's like they all die from their own reasons. That monster's just trying to kind of get out of the way a lot of the time. Yeah. And John Hurt dies um, because, you know, he's the first one to die because he's the inquisitive guy. He's always the first one out there. Volunteers for the party to go outside. Actually, this is a whole other thing, but right now what we've got going on here is a perfect bit of upstairs, downstairs scene setting, which mm. they tried to do in Prometheus and completely screwed it up. Yeah, let's see. Yeah. <laughs> and they all wake up and they were bitching about money. Yeah. This is done perfectly. Oh, it's just brilliant. And I think um, you, what you do now, too, is you interest you instantly you take so. You have space, which is un- unhuman. Then you have a space station we've never seen before. But then you have humans around a table of eating was easily um, accessible and... Um, Look at this light here. Sorry, uh, I'm, I'm the, no, just this the, the cinematography. Everything is a is a painting in this entire film. You could stop any scene here. Um, this film is a huge inspiration for me, uh, cinematically, obviously, for any of my projects or anything that I work on. I defer to this because of obviously the the in camera effects. You can't beat it. You know, like in a day in a day and age where so much stuff is 3D. It's just you can't touch this. He's, you know, we're we're looking at the. I love this room too, mother, and he's just that shot alone. It's just, yeah. (laughs) I'll go on. I'll probably sound like a broken record just because each shot is so well um, composed. Also set up. Very easy film to gush about this. It is, yeah, it is, and and it and it hey, it it earns it, and that's a beauty, beautiful thing too. A lot about a lot of release films. Uh, I just want to state that. Um, Ridley's uh, one of my favorite directors, and the sense of his his sensibilities are just um, there. He's a master of, of of filmmaking in a lot of ways, you know, and he really shows it here and and the people that he collaborates with, and it's just yeah, <laughs> it's like I can't get enough of it really, and that's why um, anytime anybody complains about like you know say Prometheus or any of these other films, I always say like well, we always have this film to watch, you know, that's the beauty that's of it. Fun. Yeah, it's we can always go back and watch this anytime you yeah, want. Just forget all the other films. Watch Alien, watch Blade Runner. There you go. Yeah, exactly. You know, like what um, else do you want from one guy. I yeah, mean. seriously. Some people go through their whole lives not even doing anything good, but this, you know, really's managed to make tr- multiple great films. You know, and yeah. Look at this shot, man. That's that that set. I mean, how big was that? It was like twenty or no, like twelve feet. Wide, I yeah, think it's like 15, I think it was 15 feet. There were different scales, but that one you saw then, was I think it was about 15-foot model. The whole carrier. I got, I'd say one thing that did frustrate me as a, as a kid was, you know, I used to just kind of draw things, and I'd copy, copy things I liked and draw them when I was really little. Sure. And I, I could never understand the Nostromo. <laughs> I, could never, I could never make it out from the picture book that I had, which was just stills from the film. Hmm. You never really got a good overall sense of it or how it worked, which just kept it so alive in my head because I yes. could never, you know. This film's very to... involving like that, don't you think, though? It's filled with, yeah. like, moments where the audience is asked to use their imagination. Mainly the idea that, you know, they are hiding the alien in shadow and darkness a lot, and, and it allows you to build out 
is it it's, it's just a very psychological film um when you deep dig deep into it and the, that's what's so cool about it though because it's oh, got yeah. all all this surface level beauty and cool design and all that stuff but then it's got the rest of it as well yeah yeah there's ash that fucker <laughs> yeah, he's, he's he is and I, I you know that's a great spot right there where he's like you know get out of my way man or like he <laughs> refers to him as a man too and yeah. it and, and it just shows that they're not really privy to it but he's he look at him those his mannerisms and his actions you know imagine yeah. imagine knowing this as an actor and then realizing like this hasn't really been done before um at this level and just look at his mannerisms. Sometimes I like to watch this film and just watch one actor, just that that's, one actor. That's a good point, actually. Yeah. That's a really good. I do that too. Yeah. Um, it's you important. get so much out of it. If it's a film that you're really familiar with and you're happy watching it like that, you can just learn so much and just experience all these little levels of nuance and stuff that you just don't get any other way. Yep. It's a good way to watch films. That it's a good way to study them. I think because um, what you get, I feel for myself, is you get to see. So the director is constantly, obviously, aware of where they want to push the audience's attention, but um, that uh, doesn't always work like that. And I think it's really great to see. I, I put myself mentally on this stage um, with these actors, and all these actors, their synergy and their connections are just really brilliant. And I just find it, yeah, you can you can you can see really deep into a film when you just watch the guy that's not that doesn't have any attention, just watching his his gestures and mannerisms, you know, and you could really start to judge that person as a, as an actor, you know, Sigourney actually, which is really great is she originally came from Broadway. This is her first film. And obviously, as you know, Broadway is a completely different uh, form of, of entertainment language. And, and, and for film, she was saying that the adaptation was because in film, it's completely out of continuity. And so she just felt like um, her understanding of how to make a great film or act for film was to constantly f just give herself to that scene, um, no matter what it was, you know, and you could really feel that there's an, an enormous amount of intensity when um, her and in the acting with everybody else, too, which is really brilliant. I've got to say, there's a transformation that occurs in this film, which I don't think gets the credit it should deserve from the acting perspective, which is um, Lambert here, Victoria... Uh, oh, God, why did I forget Who was supposed to be originally the... She thought she was going to be originally uh, Ripley, too. <laughs> She's pretty yeah, funny. yeah. I think she did all right, though. She um, did a great job. She's the audience, well, so that's what's cool about her character. Well, the thing is, if you look at her now, she's like, you know, she's she's like a, a regular woman. Mm -hmm. And when you see her at the end of the end of the film, she's a wreck. Yeah. Well, she's like, the honest. She's an audience member, you know. Yeah. Yeah. She's she's almost she's all. Well, she's she's basically the same level of nervous wreck that Shelley Duvall goes to in The Shining. Yeah. Yeah. Very much. Sorry, very similar. Right. Sorry, yeah. Victoria. All right. I forgot your name for a second there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. She's she's. um she she carries it well and that's another thing too i think is really great and the one, one thing i really love and admire about the script in general is the unisex the way it was and um when you have a, a strong female lead um it's just fucking mm. rad not just because that but it's the contrast and it's a lot of unclaimed territory mentally in people's minds it's common to watch a film or hear a story where the man is the dominant strong part but um, when you when people take a risk like this in this film to be like let's let's have the woman be the strong lead it's it's undone it hasn't been done as much um, and I the feel that it really owns that you know it, it does but it does it in a weird way you're totally right but it does it it kind of creeps up on you because right now 
the film kind of doesn't have a lead. Sure, that's and it's and great it, too. It doesn't have a lead for about forty-five minutes till she starts to come through. Yes, and she starts to conflict with the the rest of the crew based off yeah. of logic, you know. And it's like when you look at look at any of the screenwriting books, they'll tell you in the first like 10, 15 minutes, you've got to set your stall out. Mm. You have to know whose story it is. We have to know what they want. We have to know what the problems are against them. Yeah, you know, Alien doesn't do that. No, and that's that's another thing about learning things. And also, if for anybody that's listening to this commentary, these are all opinions. These are all just uh, what people think needs to be right, whatever. And when I, I, I read a lot of those books as well, and um, a key thing with those with understanding anything is to question everything. Um, question even the people that you consider to be a master or a genius, which there's no such thing <laughs> really. It's all kind of a joke. But um, yeah, I think with with this film is an exception on so many levels. And I, and I think that's why you and I uh, as creatives really enjoy it. But I think it's also why it's considered a classic because it breaks a lot of conventions, but it also, um, heightens many, you know, God, that shot. So fucking beautiful, man. So uh, cool. <laughs> these graphics are phenomenal too, so especially for the date. Yes. Perfect. Yeah. It's perfect. It has all the right amount of information to navigate yeah. and tell the story. Um, I love the pitch of this thing. <laughs> and the music, man, the music is just so perfect. I, I remember reading that there was a lot of um, uh, drama between, is it, was this Goldsmith or something? What's his name? I can't remember the yeah, composer. Yeah, and there's um, really kind of saved um, the film or his graphics too. So great. <laughs> uh, I can't stop loving this film, honestly. And I'm so biased, so... Yeah. There is a, a thing about this that I absolutely love, which is in this whole sequence, it looks like a massive, like like a difficult thing putting the ship down. This ship looks like it's really fucking heavy. Yeah. And like it's having a really hard time like getting down. And I really like that. Like it's not just a simple thing like press the land ship button yeah. and it just kind of touches down. It's like it's really dangerous and it looks like this thing's like, you know, it could just, like an engine could snap off at any point or... You know, it looks like it kind of shouldn't be doing it. And you really get that sense of, like, a sort of brown trousers ride on the way down. <laughs> yeah, there's uh, – this film, I think, um, approaches many levels of real reality, but it plays with it just when it's comfortable enough, and then it pulls you out of those reality uh, moments. those and, terrain graphics on the left. Oh, uh, yeah, so great. It's like Joy Division. <laughs> you know, like the Joy Division uh, – is that one that, I forget what album that is so those Christmas lights yeah <laughs> that's my only problem with that and these shots I'm like damn it why do they put the Christmas lights on that thing it just mm -hmm. it takes something rigid and makes it I don't know maybe maybe it's fine it, the, a lot of these things too um, I think because Ridley also storyboarded this film so if you're not aware of these things uh, so Ridley Scott's all obviously um, talented on many different levels and um, when he was tasked with doing this project, he went back and I think for like three months or so storyboarded the film. And originally the film was set to be a B, B film, kind of like a cheesy film, whatever. And they gave it to uh, Ridley and it really uh, is, uh, drafted out and storyboarded the entire film and doubled the budget when he came back. And that just shows the power of it. But um, the cool thing, I think, as an artist as well myself and, and interest, interested in film is... Um, Look at that. Whoa. You can't, yeah. But the thing is, I think, is when you, when you as a creative person, you draw these things, and if you draw it out and you have a conceptual eye, you're gonna, you're gonna translate that well. And I think that's a, it's a really key thing about this film too, is the vision. There's a tremendous amount of vision 
you know yeah. uh, Ridley really really read the script and drew every shot <clears throat> he saw it already so before even the casting yeah. or even getting on set he saw it it was all there you know this yeah, this scene's so great and how they're all the people are shaking the chairs and shit <laughs> practical effects and, and and the way it's it's handled is just it's believable it's so well done look the at that atmosphere is, man so look at that fucking atmosphere the lens blur the freaking huge fog the so cool well the captain's just there going ah oh, shit yeah we fucked up why did we do this yeah trouble yeah like we shouldn't be doing this but it's part of the code of conduct in space i guess <laughs> I love the sound design as well. I love the voices over the over the intercoms. Yeah, it's, it's all so perfect. Like it's just it's just sort of classic. I like how his is spinned a little bit too. He's always kind of punk rock. <laughs> his role is always uh, very selfish, but uh, that's another great thing about when you when you have a story of multiple characters, you have um, each character should represent a certain. Well, I don't know. I mean, each character represents a certain character in the audience, you know? And at least for me, that's how this film is. And depending on when you watch it, how you watch it, and the mood you're in, you take part, you take um, sides with whatever character uh, you feel you're most interested in, their actions, you know? And uh, yeah, it's just really, really smart. Really smart stuff. Who are you in Alien then? Uh, It changes. It changes, you know, sometimes I'm. I like to think I would be Dallas a little bit, but then he's kind of stupid sometimes. But he's also very, uh, I think he has the best intentions, you know? But um, how about yourself? Um, you really? Probably can, I think. I'd just be dying to just go and look at all of it. You know, you know the way he's supposed to know everything. Maybe Ash. Maybe Ash. <laughs> See, that's what I'm saying, though. You, it changes. But the, the... I like Ash's little control little control chair and his little bubble. His little, um, <laughs> The cool thing about this too is, and that's what I'm saying about characters, is, is when you watch this film, um, it's just really smart writing too when you can jump from character to character based off of your own opinion about what you would do in this situation. And it's sometimes like even for you, I think um, when you guys were making Moon, I think it probably was pretty difficult because you have one character and then you have then you have two and their interactions and stuff. But when you have a team, I think you can get away with a lot of stuff um, if I'm you dying do, to if, get into a bit more of that kind of that kind of stuff. I love working with actors. Oh yeah, great. when you yeah. work with a really great actor, it's just uh, it's, it's like amazing. yeah, it's, it's just yeah. And these the all these actors are just so they're just so on point. Look at this shot where they they just cut to her smoking. It's tension building, but it's perfectly done. You're watching her; she's not saying anything; she's just acting, and it's all in her gesture, you know. And she's carrying all this pressure. It's just that's such a smart. It's very smart in the way where it's very restrained, you know. I did. Um, I had a thing where apparently Ridley Scott um, didn't really have that much to do with the actors. Apparently, when they were filming, yeah, he just yeah. left them alone. Well, he was so freaking busy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but his little approach was to get like hire really good actors and then they'll do the acting. I love this set. Yeah, I love, love, love this airlock set. <laughs> this is one of my favorite parts of Nostromo. The way the atmosphere comes blowing Look at in, that shit. the light man. changes. It's oh, just man. so real. Look at those Mobius suits too. Oh, best! Oh, yeah, those spacesuits probably the, the probably the most iconic spacesuits ever designed. Hockey, for hockey ever. gloves, spray painted white hockey gloves. Yeah. I, the, to also go back to Ash's gesture too, where he just kind of gets psyched up. It's an, an it's kind of a cue as to to the audience. It's like 
um, a little wink. And I think this is something that's really great to know is, is in Dan's original script, Ash didn't exist. And I think Ash is a really yeah. pivotal, very important part of this story. God, that yeah, said, dude, uh, look at that red hit right there. It's so great. <laughs> There's such great contrast of red and blue in this film and just really great, beautiful cools and, there's a that shot is uh, that's Rid- Ridley's kids right there, right? Yeah, in the tiny spacesuits. Yeah, tiny spacesuits. Yeah. yeah, perfect. Yeah, even the ch- look at that chair, the pads on the chair. It's so cool. <laughs> I like how everything's spray painted with really crappy old spray paint too. <laughs> One thing about this film that, that's Shepard weirdly, Shepard. I don't know, it kind of some kind of weird testament to, to how they actually made this film is that you know you're looking at these old CRT monitors built into these big dashboards, mm. and they're not you know you can tell that they're old CRT monitors. But it doesn't look wrong. Mm. Do you know what I mean? A lot of a lot of films, if you see old technology, it looks just looks wrong and feels wrong. No. Like somebody taking out a VHS cassette or something in a movie, no. or a, yeah. an old flip cell phone or something. It feels really out of date. I think but, it's because there's a there's plenty enough um, to left to the imagination. You know what I mean? And I think it's so artistically put together. And then a lot of times the stories, you just kind of believe it, you go along with it, and so you don't question it. You know? And this this film is filled with for me at least, it's filled with a lot of illusions that that pull you into it and don't contrast. I love this bit coming up where, <clears throat> where Parker just flicks the steam off when she goes. Yeah. That's brilliant. It's so great. <laughs> it's, such a, it's such a fuck you moment. It's like she comes down to tell him to fuck off and he's just like, yeah, whatever. Yeah, fuck you. <laughs> he just turns it back on at the and, end and of the shot. It's another beautiful thing about the characters too is like there's this constant kind of there's struggles and build outs and stuff. Man, look at that set, dude. That must have been a the horrible a horrible day to shoot that. Yeah, well, they were all passing out, weren't they? Because yeah, the, uh, the suits um, were huge. Yeah. yeah, yeah, the suits. Um, there was like nylon lining. Look at that green screen. <laughs> uh, I love it. I love how bouncy everything is too because of the film. Everything's so bouncy. The 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 film grain too. Um, just the uh the quality of the negative and just the the, the overall. Just, Look how small her feet are. Yeah. That was quite strange. She's actually got quite little feet because she's quite tall. Yeah, she's pretty big, right? She's tall. Like, uh, I don't know how, exactly how tall I could look it up, but there's freaking, what's his name? Little cat. Um, look at that shot. Look at that. Look yeah. how good that looks. Yeah. It's just a stage line through some fog. Yeah. And that's all you so, need, though. Yeah, it looks so real. Yeah. Well, it, it looks real because it fucking is real. Really, yeah, yeah. And that's the thing with practical hey, effects. Filmmaking 101. If you want things to look real, have real things. Yeah, seriously. You know, like, I mean, you and I, uh, we use a lot of 3D stuff. But honestly, it's just because I'm a poor-ass person. <laughs> and, yeah. and, I, and I have more time than money. And But, like, you know, when you have the opportunity to have talented people build a set and you can light it well, I mean, shit. There's really... Yeah. Look at that, dude! You can't touch that. I'm sorry, but no 3D in this world. I mean, maybe it's getting closer now, but the thing is, with 3D though, you do different things. Yeah, exactly. You wouldn't end up. Look at that! Look at that! You, you, well, you get a lot of. There's a lot of. Um, you get all godly about it. Look at that's Ridley Scott's. Yeah. It's him filming on the camcorder in the mini set. (laughs) So rad. He just grabbing stuff, and I like how he puts that in the edit too. You know, look at that shot right there too. And the composition. Have you seen that recently? There's like a, somebody released a blog. I think it was either this or Blade Runner. I think it's Blade Runner actually, where the um, it's all broken up into grid, so everything is laid out nicely. Um, no, I've seen that. Oh. Yeah, I'll send it to you. It's pretty awesome. Um, oh. It's really beautiful analysis, film-wise, of the of the grid system um, in the film, and almost everything's perfectly knocked knocked out, like perfectly in the quarters or whatever. It's really cool. I- 
I like your grid work. I've got to say, those posters, I, keep, I still keep um, um, having the old look at those posters that you did for the Ghost in the Shell piece. Ah, that that's did. all grid. That's, that's, all, that's all based yeah. off the golden mean, the math from the golden it's mean. really cool stuff. I really like that. Thank you, sir. Thank you. <laughs> look at that shit, dude. Oh, man, you're wearing it. Another thing I was going to say, too, that's really brilliant. I love the way they're putting the... You know, the, you see the light that hit Ash's face, how it was red, and and, and then also his his attend, his uh, acting got more intense. You know, yeah. it's just these, these little cues here and there. Um, this is what happens when you watch this film more than thirty times or something. You know, God, look at that set. It's just a painting. You know, it's just so immersive. I wish I was there in the theater, uh, nineteen seventy nine. The first time this hit, before anybody had told me about it, I was sitting there with everybody, just being like, "What the fuck is going on here?" <laughs> yeah, it just hit so hard. And here we are; we're going into a Giger painting. Yeah. You don't want to climb through a hole in a Giger painting. No, it, 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 yeah. <laughs> Nothing good's gonna happen. No. What are you gonna find in there? Oh Some man. Kind of metal penis. Look at those bones. I remember in the making of people were so freaked out by him because he was like all dressed in black and he would work in like seclusion yeah. through the night black and like, coat. yeah, bones. Yeah. He had all these, like he, he would have like just tons of bones come in from all the local, uh, um, oh, look at that little freaking fog coming out. <laughs> it's, it's so bad. It's, this is like, it's just so this, this film is just so fucking beautiful. It's just hard not to talk about like the beauty of it. Um, trying to give some substance to it though, <laughs> so it's not just us yeah. like going. Oh, look at that shot alone! I mean, look at the right frame compared to the the left. Look you're, at the uh, the flares though. The, the anamorphic flares on this are just gorgeous. Yeah, they just nailed so much. I'll tell you one thing they did do on this, which was really cool, was uh, normally when you film in spacesuits or when you you know getting a spacesuit ready for film, you I only realised this after we did Moon or I'd have, I'd have really pushed to do Moon a bit differently. Um, you know, you've got to see the actor's face. So you've got to put some light inside the, um, the helmets, yeah. which is really impractical. But what they did here is put the light, like a big, strong light outside and above, which is actually a practical way of lighting a spacesuit. Yep. But it makes them look really lonely in the little helmets. Like, it's kind of really kind of gloomy and lonely how they light the faces. It's really well done. And it's actually also um, like a legit way of actually... You know, it's a big headlight, basically. It's like a big work lamp on your head. Yep. It's a great way of lighting the actors' faces in the spacesuits without just copping out and putting a load of lights on the inside of the rim, which, although it looks okay for screen, isn't actually a great thing to do. Uh, We've just got his kids again here. There we go, his kids. And then also to, lighting things from the top, too, really heightens the actors' expressions, too. Here we yeah. go. Here's the space jockey. Fuck, now, dude. Think oh, about this. Right? So that, sick. Nobody's ever seen anything like this ever before. Not even close. That physical prop was destroyed by some pricks that burnt it. Fuck them. <laughs> it was the, when Alien was first released, they wheeled it out somewhere. It was somewhere in LA, if I remember rightly. They wheeled out that uh, the, the actual space jockey in front of the theater. Really? They did a screening, and some knobheads set fire to it, and it was destroyed. Fuck them. Can you imagine that? Somebody out there set fire to that. Yeah. And he's listening to this now. Yeah, if you're listening to this now, I'll yeah. fucking kill you. I hope you die alone. <laughs> Yeah, man, look at that. It's so beautiful. So I can't believe that that got burned in a fire. It's just maybe that's its destiny, though. It's just too beautiful for this world. Oh, look yeah, at this. Look at this stuff, man. Just the the texture. Uh, this film is just filled with texture. I was gonna say also, look at the lighting when the when you close in on these actors' faces with theirs. It's just perfectly <laughs> wiped so they can see their facial expressions, but there's this good, really heavy mist around their faces as well, and just the yeah. 
man, it's just, yeah, let's get the hell out of here. That's exactly what I would be saying. <laughs> yeah. See you later. Take a photo and we're off. Yeah, let's One see. One of the yeah. things that, yeah, that's the thing. Nobody takes any photographs or video of this. Oh, mind you, the suits They're doing recording. a live feed, right? Because they're sending yeah, they it back to the, us. Yeah, they think the suits are feeding. Yeah. Um, there's some great pictures of uh, Giga making the space jockey. Mm. And I love the way that he stayed with it all the way through. He's there, like, oh, rushing yeah. on the latex and stuff right at the end to give it that kind of aged cobweb kind of look. Yeah. And he was just with it all the way through to make sure it looked right. He didn't just this do a painting and then go, right, you guys make this. Like, he was there all the way through. He was making really it with did. his hand. He was sculpting this shit. Like, yeah. Yeah, yeah it was a... Uh, so also some some trivia stuff is just really rad is um dan o'bannon who was hired by uh yodorowsky who was making dune at the time had built this dream team of these amazing creatives to create yeah. dune and dune fell through and dan being smart and resourceful um decided to take the teammates from dune and bring them over to alien and that's why you have this kind of crazy dream team he also had he was really he he knew i mean i remember reading or hearing about it when ridley had uh when dan sent gave uh, ridley the book from giger's work uh ridley knew that's it I, and then yeah. then he realized oh, i've i've this is the film you know like i and that's the aha moment like wow this guy He's created it, you know, and what an enormous relief that must have been because until then, I mean, if you saw, I think like Ron Cobb did a piece, like, and it was just like this cheesy, oh, silly, yeah. like it Green just looked like a typical, thing. yeah, and it looked like a typical, <laughs> yeah. and we yeah. can go into like even Prometheus and stuff, like it's just, you, you, if you don't have that Geiger creating your monster, it's like, oh, look at that set, fuck, wow. it's just insane. That's mostly painting actually that one. It's I know. Painting. But it's um this is that section though and in, in the yeah oh man look at that so epic yeah it, uh, cheers to um, the late Geiger because uh, yeah thanks to his horrible dreams we were able to have this masterpiece <laughs> look at that smoke of- too and the lasers that they borrowed from the Who because this is at Shepperton <laughs> Studio right and the, yeah. the Who was doing laser stuff for their test for okay, their look at that. Cool. but the la- the way the lasers hitting it. If you want to make something look other otherworldly, <laughs> here you go. <laughs> this is exactly it. It's like yeah. slivers of mist. Yeah. Look at that fucking shot, man. So beautiful. <laughs> the composition and the setup and the, the use of light and shadow. It just really doesn't get better. It just doesn't. There's I haven't seen anything as beautiful as this in sci-fi. There is um, a yeah. little continuity thing going on here. Mm. It's about to happen. Which is how exactly does the face hugger get through uh, Kane's helmet? Oh yeah, that's true. Yeah, it's only a little thing, but I mean, uh, it doesn't spoil my enjoyment of the film at all. But if you're going to start, you know, there's two things about this film that do that, and they're tiny, tiny little things. But that's that's the first one. It's like how exactly did that? Because they cut it off of him, and it's like kind of like a it's not a huge, enormous hole, but then it's like this huge thing that goes around his head. Yeah, I can see that. Ah, look at that shot. Look, is, look how real this looks over yeah. the Well, it look looks real how, because it is real. That's the cool thing. Yeah. It looks like a real creature because it's just full bunches of guts. And yeah, that's that's another thing too. Is I think uh, I love the rain and the atmosphere in here too. And, and really, uh, I think, um, knew that if you wanted to make something look bio, like, look at that reverse too. Stuff oh. dripping, reverse gravity. So cool. That's uh, Ridley Scott's hands too, I think, from what he said. He put yeah, his hands in Yeah, the gardening glove, didn't he? It's yeah. The, yeah. <laughs> and he would just shake it because he knew what he needed. I think a lot of the handheld was actually shot by Ridley as well. 
such a talented guy. And, and, and I'm not trying to just say that, you know, he made this film entirely. Uh, there's a huge crew of enormously talented people, but it's just, you know, this is his vision and stuff. Look at that. There's his hands flipping around. <laughs> so creepy. But when you have, a, yeah. film Look at that opening. Oh, it's so cool. His expression oh, look too. In there. Yeah. Yeah. And um, how they look at all look that. Look at that. It's horrible. What is that? That is disgusting. <laughs> this film is so disgusting. That is disgusting. absolutely disgusting. <laughs> what is that lining? It's like stomach lining and stuff, huh? Yeah, it's called Nottingham Lace. It's from, uh, is it cows or sheep? It's the lining of the stomach. It's disgusting. Look at that beautiful way of cutting. So um, if anybody's paying attention here, if, if you have a high tense scene, you cut to silence. You cut to like a... This shot like this, it, oh, it just makes it horrible because you're like, what? And it gives you a moment to process, you know? Um, that's a beautiful, there, there are so many really, and for me, that's a very mature film uh, decision. I know Bannon talks about this a lot in a, a book. He has a, a book on screenwriting. Yeah, I have Kent. it. I've read part of it. Yeah. It's called Danaban's Guide to Screenplay Structure. That's what it's called. That's the one. I would definitely recommend picking that up if you're interested in writing film. Yeah, and like we said, even there's all these rules, right, and stuff, but they don't, you know, um, depending on what you feel is most important, you know? Ah, sorry, you dropped out there. Ah, sorry about that. You still recording? Yep. I've lost the picture. Mm, let me add it back. Let's see. Okay, we're back I, I love this. Break. I love this section, too, how she... Um, Oh, she's so cool. This is where um, we start to get a lead in the film. What are we now? How far in are we? Like, We are at so one minute and 23, or one hour and 23. Oh, no, that's negative. Let's see. This is where we start to get a lead coming through now. Yep. We must be like half an hour in or something, around that. Yeah, we're about like a half an hour. Let's uh, see. And th this is so cool as well, like Ash being a sneaky little shit. Yeah, we're 32 minutes in, and... And I love, yeah, I love, I love Ash's dynamic. So we're actually getting characters now. We're getting characters that we're going to see for the rest of the film. I love the atmosphere in the airlock as well. You know, the little bits of moisture blowing around when they're all, they're all shouting. Yep. That scene, I'll tell you what, watching that scene without sound, it's over very quickly. I thought that scene was longer than that, but it was over mm. really quickly. Yeah, it's pretty quick, the decisions they make for that. Yeah. I think, you know, I don't know about continuity. I think it would be able to fit through there. Because you're saying how you think that it wouldn't be able to fit through the head. But it's helmet. more about how it made the hole. Yeah, that's true. Well, I mean, well, the know, acid, right? Well, then that would burn his face. That's true. Damn. It, it's it's only a little thing, but it's just true. Uh, you know. Oh, what the fuck! Look at those huge balls. It's so. It's like just like covered in KY jelly. It's just just. Yeah. Can you imagine being on the set for this, going like, "What the fuck Amazing. are we doing here?" <laughs> Can you imagine being an actor on this thing too? Just, just. Oh, it'd be amazing! They could just—I mean, you know, actors are like—they love being put in weird places. It's like good actors love it. Yeah. So this, this must have just been like a dream for them. The beautiful thing too is, I think I remember when uh, really was talking about how they did. Look at that slap too. They oh were, yeah. They were going at that's real shit right there. That actually, that is a really good moment. Sigourney really here ran out the stage and started crying because she didn't expect that. But really, I told her, give her a good slap in that face. 
Oh, you're such a little bastard back then. <laughs> you know, that's it, though, didn't you? You told uh, Yafit Koto to just give a shit all yeah, the time. Which too. was a bummer, I heard, because he really liked Sigourney. So, but Yeah, no. and he said at the end that um, Ridley Scott didn't actually clarify with Sigourney Weaver what happened, so they all left, mm. and she thought that he just hated her. Mm, yeah, but it was... it was yeah. They kept it. It was kind of method acting, you know? Yeah. This is another really cool thing to add in there about. Um, so Dan was having a problem figuring out like why wouldn't they just use a gun and kill it? And uh, Ron, I think, suggested that it was its blood was oh, look at this, so gross, choking his neck. But Ron suggested that it was um, filled with acid, so you couldn't shoot it because it would just spew acid and, and damage the ship. So that's actually very smart. Uh, it's, it lives within the story. It's logical and it helps the and it helps the story. You know. There's just a lot of those things in this that help. Man, yeah, put that thing away, dude. <laughs> and that's really, it's what's really great too is you have an exchange between the people in the room, the people out, and then you have basically the audience's interpretation. You know, you have the action, and then you have the uh, the result of the action. You know, the witness and the viewing of things. The scanning room. Uh, this this med- medical bay is just so great. Those speakers over there, <laughs> uh, so great. And all I always notice too is um, just pay really close attention to how they're using the aspect ratio and creating an image. Um, the composition is just really—it's very smart, you know. Look at Dallas above Ash, you know, like all these things are—they're all decisions there, you know. Ian Holm is quite short, though. Yeah, but he's not that short, is he? He's like a whole. Yes, if you look at them as a as an ensemble cast, as a picture, um, and it's just one of the kind of white space, like they're all in like a sort of a white space, like a cast um, group shot. Yeah. And he's like really little. Everyone else is much bigger than him. And Sigourney Weaver is like she looks about a foot and a half taller than him. He's <laughs> like towering over him. It's awesome. Um, awesome. Yeah. But I mean, you're right though. This stuff's all set up for the camera. Yeah, and and the way that you know how they shot low and. This macro shot and just this setup. I like this tool to cut too. It doesn't seem like it makes any kind of sense, but <laughs> uh, it's so nasty. Uh, that was um, was it polystyrene? It was like yep. some chemicals, yeah, eating through polystyrene. Yep. It does look horrible though that. The music hitting coming in, and and so what I heard about the music was that the original composition was is very. Um, he kind of beat the f- the f- visuals to the punch, basically, and so really wanted to reserve that so that the audience would be would be experiencing um, pure fright, basically. So by limiting the film, the the music from giving too many cues to the, what's about to happen, you know what I mean? Since a lot of films do that. They'll be like, "Here comes the tension." You hear it in the piano or something. It's like, yeah. "Fuck off!" Well, like, don't do that. Yeah. You know, like, give me something to, to give me something to freak out about. You know. It's just that's what these are. This what I'm saying is why this makes this film a, such a masterwork for me is is all these multiple decisions, um, and I from what I heard it caused a lot of drama um, between them. And I think the composer even to like just couldn't couldn't understand the decisions that really made even you know, after the fact. You know, I guess that's what you were saying though about him going into it having already made the film in his head. It's like oh, yeah. he knew it. It's already done. So at that point, yeah. So at that point, um, you know, I mean, 
you, you don't, aren't you? If you know what you want, all you've got to do is get that, and there you go. You know, and if you're getting something different, then it's your job to sort of bring bring the ship around. Yeah, I think making a film is um, I'm from. I don't even have a clue about how to make a film this big, but my understanding of it is is it's constantly changing and it's constantly questioning you. And I think that's what I mean about visually. Uh, really already knew what this film was going to look like, feel like in his mind, and you can feel it. Uh, there's a, it's very concise uh, from my standpoint. Looking at it, it it makes a lot of sense. A lot of the decisions that were made. Hmm. I love Brett's shirts. That's yeah, exactly. You're bringing humanity. You're bringing like this Hawaii shirt into this what the hell situation. They're great, these two though. The two, these two, as the engineers, are just fantastic. Kind of beer. Very relatable, right? Just, yeah, look at all the beers and stuff around. Work, just, working class. Yeah. Yeah, and look at yeah the whole thing. I mean, look at actually one thing I do have, which is um, another another one of my favorite sort of filmy things I've got is I've got an original. Um, Alien, you know the patch that um, Parker had on his sleeve. Then, yeah, I've got an original Nostromo patch, which is a very pretty thing. It's awesome. Particularly, so I don't know what to do with it. I've got this patch; it's like an original Alien patch, and <laughs> I don't know what to do with it because it, it's this beautiful thing. But you know, what do I do with that? You should put it on your one of your jackets and rock it. <laughs> I would. Man, look at this this beautiful shot, man. So smooth, uh, so well composed. It just, and that's one thing I feel is lacking in a lot of films nowadays too. Is, is it's just so fucking fast cut and paced, and it's like, dude, it's overwhelming. And that's that's another thing I think is really wonderful about this film is, is the big long shots. It's well, just the thing is about things about this film is this film goes there, but it goes there at its own pace. And it, yes, I remember there's a there's a thing in the commentary when Ridley Scott's talking about um, the comparisons to the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Mm. He describes it as um, sort of putting your foot on the gas, like on the accelerator. And he basically said, like, when he put his foot on the gas, he wanted to just keep going with it and never take it off. And that's what he does for the last, like, 30 minutes of this film. That's true. Um, and so, you, you know, it gets there. It really does get going and it gets frantic and it gets fast. But it does it in a, you know, it's like a, a big snowball sort of slowly starting to roll. Yeah. That's it a beautiful roll, thing, though. Once it starts rolling, it doesn't stop. It's very dynamic, though. It's like a beautiful piece of classical music. It starts with its beautiful delicateness, and then it blows up, and it gets bigger. And it, but it, what it does is it gives you a, a better rounded experience. I think. Yeah, look at the way this shot's set up. We're just focusing on Ash. Sigourney's kind of off on the right. We're not getting any real facial feedback from her. We're just watching him. And we can I tell love the way she's pushing him on this because he's yep. just kind of sort of fluffing her off, and she's like, "What are you doing?" Yep. Yeah, and, she's and we're not cutting off. to her, you know. Yeah. She's so cool. I love her, the costumes in this whole. Well, I mean, yeah. I think <laughs> what if you look at look at top screen left. You've got a really good example of like some random bits of stuff being glued onto the wall. Oh yeah, yeah. Just to you know, so it's not just a flat surface. Yeah, yeah. which is like, I mean. You know, typically this film does it beautifully all over the place, but there, that is a place where it is sticking out a little bit, to be honest. Yeah. It's like when we did Moon and we had the, uh, you know, the IKEA knife and fork trays. <laughs> you can see that going on there. Yeah. It's just building more contrast so to, for the actors to live within. Another great thing about the, this with the actors, too, is it's not like green screened, you know, they're not, 
you know, most of this is, is the actors are actually able to interact with the surroundings and that just helps the actor thrive. How's that big Whalen logo in the back on the computer there, huh? Mm. Evil well, Empire. The sets were all real. They were all enclosed, weren't they? So they mm. kind of, the whole crew stepped in the set and, and then it. just stayed in there. So this is a full, a complete set, like a, a complete room. Yep. A ceiling and a floor. And, you know, there'll have been a, a couple of lights on stands and stuff, I'm sure, being brought in. But so much of what's going on here is contained in the set. Um, it's the same thing we did with Moon. Like, we built the whole set. And you get you can get so much more out of the, the experience of being in there by doing that. Sure. You're, you're surrounded by it. Yeah, you are in the place. Yeah, and so when you when you kind of move into set up in a in a new look like now, it's like oh, we'll shot. just the doors and they'll be in the you know in the narcissus. You know, you just kind of camp up in the next room. Yeah, it's beautiful. This is a composition here too. I'm going to keep bringing this up because we're doing an analysis of many things, uh, the behind the scenes, but also our understanding of it, but also our visual interpretation of these things and the decisions. Um, it's just, yeah, look at the way this was cut too. The edit is just, um, there's so many really smart choices with the edit, I feel. Very mature. Um, because this could be, this could have originally was destined to be a B B rate film, and a lot of times with B rate films, is, is they're usually heavy handed, or they don't really appreciate the craft as they should. But this this film is is very much respects um, the film itself very much, you know. Actually, one one other little thing about sci fi general world building that I've got to mention for this film mm. is I've never seen a sci fi film that has got as cool doors as this film. <laughs> yeah. This film wonderful functioning cool looking sci-fi doors all over the ship speaking of why don't you shut the freaking door man yeah. <laughs> that it's always like killed me too like, no but, but that's, that's, that's it's just like banging a head on the door frame yeah she's so tall yeah that's a cool thing about uh that's another choice too it's like she didn't close the door and so for me as an audience member i'm like yeah. close the door it's probably interesting for you too, because we're not really listening to it with a lot of volume, so we're only getting half the experience too. And this is a long shot. This is a very long shot. I I find that um, listening to I watch films with the audio off to study the editing. Mm, that's a smart way. I of doing find it. that I find that if I've got the audio on, I'll just start watching the film. I can't help. <laughs> yeah. Look at that door. Look how good that. You see that door closing. Yeah. Man? Good. <laughs> that was brilliant sci-fi door design and execution. Um, yeah, I find if you watch a film with the sound off, it enables you, look at that light, if you watch a film with the sound off, it enables you to um, really focus on the on the cut. Yeah. Look at how everybody's interacting with it differently. Ash is ready to to hold it and to, diet, to study it. She's kind of coy. He's like, I'll use this. Yeah, it's, <laughs> you can tell the intention, you know, it's very subtle, but it's there. Interesting too. How even at this point, the film doesn't still doesn't have a lead. Yep. But that's beautiful about it, though. Yeah. Oh fuck! It's so gross. It yeah, it's horrible. Uh, it's it's. There's so many moments in this film too. I remember as a young kid watching this, just thinking, "This is disgusting." Look at that! <laughs> All those oysters and shit in there. Oh, <laughs> so nasty. That's another thing that really shakes you at your core, you know, as a human like, being. <laughs> there's like a, a golden era of Ugh. body horror in film. Yeah. In the kind of late 70s, early 80s. And this 
film was a huge part of that. And I think that um, it's a very hard thing to do these days is to get that kind of body horror aspect um, of, you know, of storytelling into a film because it's been done so well so many times in the past and so badly by so many more people yeah. that there's a real kind of meh sort of... It doesn't... I don't know. It's a very hard thing to pull off to get that, that a true sense of body horror in a film. I mean, they tried to go there with Prometheus and they did the whole alien abortion scene, which was a horrible scene. So, <laughs> so they did accomplish that. But um, it still wasn't, you know, the same level of the kind of stuff going on in this film. And I, I, I do think that there's a certain quality that this film has in the body horror aspect that you just couldn't replicate these days. Yeah, it's very... Uh, I think a lot of things with this film, too, is she almost clips her head on everything. Her hair, especially, is... Uh, I forget, lost my train of thought. But I, th- I think there's just this film kind of when it came out, it, it owned a lot of territory. It created a genre, I think in itself. Yeah. Um, and then it's a, it's a genre. I always consider this film to be a genre crushing film because you just can't, yeah. you can't be started film. a genre and nailed it right in one go. Exactly. And then there's been so many mimicking, uh, but yeah, which makes me think, um, a lot of the times, you know, it's like even when Prometheus is coming out and the, when they did such a brilliant job marketing it, I was like, oh, my God, he's going to do it again. Like, this, I'm so excited for it. And then, obviously, it was a completely different experience. Uh, here we go, the Christmas lights. I'm like a ADD dog right now. I was like looking at different things. But um, look at that. Yeah, it's just so beautiful. The, um, the inspiration for the shape of this feels very much like a... Uh, an insect, right? He was influenced by insect design and stuff, right? The ship? I think so, wasn't it? By Peetle no, or I, some kind of I thing. Know about that. I know that there was an early Chris Foss design that was like a, a crushed lobster. Yeah, but, something like I mean, that. I know that Correct. they went through a lot of, a lot of ship designs. I Crustacean mean, Chris thing. Foss and Ron Cobb did a lot of ship design work. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, I mean, it's all very different to where they ended up. Both with the Nostromo, or the, the Snark and then the Leviathan, and ultimately the Nostromo, it's all the same ship, and also with the uh, Alien Derelict. Actually, do you know what? I think the Alien Derelict was the one that looked like a lobster. Mm. There's a Chris Foss um, illustration. It's like a, a load of like sort of red, sort of round, sort of crushed shapes buried in the sand. That's so cool. It's all good stuff, but um, it, it, yeah, I mean, you know, you can't really beat can't really beat they ended up with it. The shake is pretty good right there. Sometimes they do it and you know it's fake. And it felt pretty believable. It was just the right amount. Got a lot of detail, man. Ah, oh, so great. I gotta say, when we were doing Moon, it was a real thrill working with Bill Pierce and knowing that he'd done this. Mm. Yeah, it was just really cool just like chatting with him about stuff. And of course. Just just sort of stupid little things. It'll just just sort of everyday experiences of just still tell you a story about you know, just going to have lunch in the pub that they used to have at Shepperson Studios, which mm. is gone now, and everybody would be in there just drinking at lunchtime and stuff. And That's great. All these guys would be in the pub at Shepperson having lunch. <laughs> you know that? That's so cool. I can't imagine. The That's how they found. That's how they found the actor for the uh, the plays. Um, he was like a graphic design major or something. Yeah, the, they the found the pub so, didn't they? Yeah. Yeah. Was it Balaji Badeja? I don't know if that's pronounced properly. Yeah, let me see. Balaji, yeah, Badeja. He he was like this really tall kid or younger guy, seven foot tall or something. 
and he's really skinny. They're like, oh yeah, this would be perfect. But they saw him in a in a pub. So yeah, so imagine if the pub culture didn't exist. I don't know, it'd be kind of difficult. They'd figure out a way, but it's just so so awesome. <laughs> imagine him though. In a, he's in a pub. Yeah, you know, one night at, at graphics, you know, doing you know doing his uh, graphics degree, whatever, studying, and then all of a sudden he's an alien. It's crazy. It just goes yeah. to show you never know. You might be driving down the road and then boom, you're in Prometheus. So actually, <laughs> like, like I love I love the the the, the set choice of of um, look what he's wearing. He's almost wearing like a like a reversal burlesque suit or something. It's yeah. so unique and weird. It's they, weird. There's he, some very weird choices in this film. He, they put film. some weird stuff on him for sure. I mean, the, he's like wearing weird diaper thing in the beginning. It's also funny to note that he's eating food right in front of him, and he and he looks like shit. <laughs> it's like it's a total disregard for the situation, you know. Like this guy just had this crazy alien thing on his head, and now I'm <laughs> yeah, eating food in yeah. front of him. It's just screw you. It's driving that character home, you know. It's like he's okay. just an asshole, <laughs> but he's just he's up for what he's interested in, you know. Yeah, which is saving his own back or making money or whatever you know. We, I, um, we yeah, I read in an interview with Yafik Koto that he said that um, he had to make his character bigger than life because when he saw the sets, he knew that he had to really make Parker big <coughs> to yeah. stand out in sets. So and, he was doing everything he could to really be quite bolshy and kind of pushy and you know quite arsy, and he got he came across beautifully. Yeah, look at that great edit right there. It was. Uh, Ash paying attention, and then that push in. It's perfectly timed. You pay attention to it because Ash is really studying. He knows something's not right. Nobody else can pick up on it because they're idiots. But Ash knows. He's he's picking. I do have another um, another artifact from Alien. Actually, I've got a, a one of the beer cans from the um, from the yeah, lunch. You're as well. such a nerd. <laughs> I love cool. it. I love it. <laughs> yeah, it's um, the really... Ash beer is great. It's such a nice design. Isn't your when dog? Do, uh... Your dog's name is Ripley, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. actually didn't name Ripley, funnily enough. My girlfriend named Ripley. Oh, perfect then. <laughs> Look at that. Uh, and the acting is oh. just really great. I mean, that's a lot. That's really demanding to yeah. get. Well, this is the thing. The, the cast is just phenomenal. I mean, they're all brilliant. Mm. Look at them working. I mean, they're really earning the money. I mean, yeah. this cast is just... If You know, if, you, if you're working as a director and you've got this cast, you must just come in and just... I mean, imagine Ridley Scott. Like, I mean... Obviously, that guy, you know, he's a he's a grafter. You know, he works, but look at what he gave himself to work with. Yeah. And if you look at look at what he set up around himself, and then he comes in and works super hard on top <laughs> of all of that. Yeah. Coming into these sets with this cast, and then working really hard as well. Yeah. It's no wonder this film's a masterpiece. This is all filmed one take, four cameras. They, she didn't realize how much blood was going <laughs> to hit her right there. <laughs> so a, that reaction is really uh, is really real. Uh, some really nice B-roll stuff uh, from other cameras where you, there's a long uh, take and it's all on Veronica Cartwright yeah. and you see it all going <laughs> in her mouth and stuff. And it's horrible. Oh, uh, it's so gross. She wasn't ready for it. She wasn't expecting it. That's yeah. She's screaming and she gets a load of blood in her mouth and it and a, a lot of her kind of she does this little shake like a little horror shake. And apparently that was because she got it went in her mouth and she was just like it was all real. And then they use oh my god, <laughs> man. So that at this state, I mean, how would you react to that? I, I think this is complete shock from here on out. The characters, uh, their yeah. just their decisions are just ridiculous. So it makes well, sense. Well, this is what's great about the film though is each character is responsible for their own fate. Yeah. 
So if we look at Cain from the beginning, Cain, you know, he's um, an inquisitive guy. He's an explorer, curious by nature, um, quite careless, quite, you know, quite uh, reckless in a lot of ways. So as soon as they land, you know, he's the first one to go out, investigate the signal. Let's go. Let's have a look at this thing. Excuse me. He goes down the hatch. He leans over the egg. You know, he's a curious one. Yeah. See you later, dude. He got him killed. So from this point on, the general perception of Alien, look at those graphics. <laughs> so great. Look at that set. Look at all these miniatures. Oh. The, the <laughs> See ya, dude. Just fucking launches yeah. it. <laughs> like, be, uh, I should have done that a long time ago. <laughs> I think that's the first time I'd seen the concept of a burial at sea done in space, actually. It's really quite quite poignant. <laughs> I thought they would have just, just held it frozen or something, you know, but brought him back home. But they're like, get this shit out of here. Yeah, get done with that. But would yeah, um, yeah, I would be I'd be searching that blood trail like uh, I need to kill this alien. <laughs> this is weird. Yeah, but like yeah, I think you did a really great essay. I thought I felt on your blog where you analyzed the um, the POV of the alien in coordination because you know as humans we're obviously like pro human and we want to continue living living and that's like the point of our lives it seems. But um, when you look at this film from the perspective of the alien, if you looked at it, if you take it away from this ugly weird phallic being, it was just like this little beautiful child or like a puppy a i mean imagine baby, yeah. imagine like this really beautiful puppy pops out of there of the stomach would you be like Ugh, wait oh okay like <laughs> you know the, the, like there's so many decisions yeah. and and so when you think about right now what's happening is you have this group of humans they don't know what this thing is they're going after it to kill it to yeah attack they want it. to chase it and hunt yeah. it and kill it exactly uh this is a Poor really cool tool just run off it's scared it's being born it doesn't know where it is, its mother's not there. It doesn't know what the hell's going on. It just, you know, it, it, it's literally born. It looks around. It sees a bunch of aliens um, just screaming at it, like looking threatening. So it just runs away. It's like, what what on earth would you do? You know, it's, like, it's the logic of the creature. Yeah. So now it's just run off and it's hiding. And Which it's is very animalistic. Shivering. Yeah. Yeah, it's just shivering behind some cupboard somewhere. And the first thing this lot do is, right, right then, let's all get together and kill it. And and this is um this is Dallas now. This is Dallas sort of coming to the fore. Yep. Um and this is this is a part of his character that'll get him killed. Because he's like organizing the search parties and stuff. Um ultimately it'll lead to his death, but obviously Brett dies first. And Brett gets killed because Brett's a yes man. So when they come across the cat shortly and the cat runs off, Parker's like, Go get the cat. Brett's like, Yeah, okay. <laughs> that's what gets him killed. He's yeah. a yes man. And that's what gets him killed. Yep. Then uh, Dallas is like, okay, forget all of this. I'm going in the air ducts with a flamethrower. You know, he goes, tries to be the big hero. The hero, That's yeah. Him Again, the alien's hiding right down the back of the air ducts. They have to go right out of the way to find this thing. Yep. Um, you know, if they just leave it alone, it'd be fine. It's like Brett goes poking around, disturbs it, gets killed. Dallas goes poking around, disturbs it, gets killed. <laughs> you know, they just won't leave this poor thing alone. They have to go chasing it with flamethrowers and pointy sticks. Well, I mean, I think it's obviously because, like, it came and killed one of their buddies, you know, and it's, like, yeah. it's it's obviously a negative thing. It's not, like, this harmless thing. So, but I thought your essay was really interesting. Uh, it was a really interesting um, psychological journey on the viewpoint of, of the opposite, the, the, the quote-unquote enemy, you know. So, oh, look at that set. Well, Gorgeous. I think that this is one of the things, though. You know, like we said before, that this this film just nailed it. It kind of created a genre and nailed it all in one go. Yep. And there was so many um, imitators that just um, they're just not good. They're just not doing it right. The, the real. Think, oh, sorry. Go ahead. 
I just I think that the creature logic's a big reason for that because they just have a monster that's blindly hunting and killing people for no reason. Yes. Exactly. Look at and, that. Oh, man, that set beautiful. <laughs> the, another thing I was going to say I want people to pay attention to is that, like, so before this film, Ridley had created a film called The Duelist, and it was a really beautiful film. Until Up until then, he was he had also directed, like, 1,700 commercials as well, so he had a lot of mileage with that. Um, this is... So, like, when we say, like, this film is a genre, this is our opinion, obviously, you can agree with us or not. Um, like, to understand if you why you think this isn't, I would it's really interesting but um how this film goes like kind of a home run out of the bat that's pretty amazing um to think about you know um he was so ready wasn't he, he was so ready he to was win. he was like fuck i hate commercials <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He, he was he was ready to earn his keep he knew what he needed to do and uh yeah it was it was time if you do dude if you do 1700 fucking commercials you're gonna be good you're gonna figure it out that's that's a lot of experience right there. Yeah. And you feel it, you know, he's, you feel it. This whole film's filled with that experience. I love the tension right there too. Great acting right here. I always thought these were a great group as well. These three characters yeah. together, really compelling. I could watch these three, like sort of trying to get themselves out of a, out of a jam all over. Cause like, you know, they don't really like each other. Yeah. Pushing one another yeah. quite a bit. Yeah, like Parker's just a dick to Ripley all the way through. There's a moment though where Parker backs her up, and I think it's really rad. Yeah. It's coming up later, but it's it's cool how you can see that um, it's shifting a little bit. But he's more or less his intention is always to like save himself, right? Yeah. Look at that frame right there. I mean, just that frame. And there's that's why I said like this film is you can take any frame of this film and. Look at the way it moved then. The camera moved and it went from one lighting setup to another. Yep. They, they transitioned from two lighting setups there. Oh, look at that it's color. Oh, yeah. A lot of, uh, like, um, I heard there's a lot of helicopter parts and shit in this set. I mean, There's a lot of, yeah, this film was done at a, at a time where the RAF was scrapping a lot of its bomber fleet. Yeah. So a lot of the old, like, the V-bombers, like the Vulcans and the Victors and the Valiants, um, a lot of old RAF jets were being scrapped, and so you could go to a scrapyard and you could just buy trucks full of airplane parts. And so what Roger Christian would do is he'd go to scrapyards, do just that, and he'd have um, he'd have a whole um, sort of stage next door to where they were building the Nostromo, and he would just lay all these bits and pieces of aircraft scrap on the floor and just cover the whole soundstage in bits and pieces of aircraft scrap, the whole workshop, wherever it, wherever it was on Shepparton, he was doing it. So awesome. And, he, and then they build the, the kind of main guts, like the frame of the Nostromo set out of like timber and whatnot. And then he'd come in and he'd dress it with bits and pieces of these bombers. And he'd walk into his um, workshop where everything laid out. He'd grab a few bits, walk onto the set, hold them up against the wall, move them around a little bit. And he'd be like, okay, that bit goes there, that bit goes there. Then he'd uh, get his um, his um, workforce again and start attaching things. Go next door again, pick some more bits, come in, move them around, and he'd just do that. And he'd just build like dress these beautiful sets, and then he'd get the whole thing sprayed. Like the bridge is, is all sprayed like olive green, like so one, uh, Ridley Scott wanted it to look like a B fifty two bomber. Yeah. Uh, this this is all kind of metal colors. The the engineering deck. It's um, a completely different um, feel from any part of the films that yet, um, yet, you know. I when I first it, well for quite a while I didn't realize what this was. This is a landing leg. Hmm. Okay. I see that now. It's all, it's all tucked up. I didn't get that for a long time watching this. Uh, Those chains. This film, but yeah, I love this whole thing with the moisture. 
Oh yeah, that's oh. it. In Ridley's logic, was this as part of the cooling like room or something? That's why it had its own atmosphere. I oh, thought so it was the thing where um, I read a thing where it was to do with the fact that the ship's a bit knackered, mm. and it's just the yeah the way that the environmental regulation works in the ship. This bit just doesn't work properly, and so the water's just condensing and dripping, and it's just kind of leaky and a little bit where it rains. So I love that idea of a, a part of a spaceship where because it's a little bit broken, it just happens to rain in part of the ship. Yeah, so beautiful. I mean, where do you get that in a science fiction thing where? Oh, it's just, uh, and it's a lot of detail. This whole thing's just a little bit of detail and a little bit of texture, and a moment in a scene, and it's just so great. That's the thing about this film with so much goodness in it. Oh, there it's it so- is. Oh, and, you, so- and, and if you're not paying attention closely, you don't know what it is. That's the beautiful yeah. thing about it too. It's changed from this thing that was on a guy's face to this huge creature. I love the sound as well. The water hitting the cap. And yeah, the so- sound design is wonderful, and. The, the, whoever suggested these chains just nailed it because it's a perfect element of tension. And then also, um, you know, there's so much movement from them. They're probably just chains that were hanging around in the studio anyway. Sure. I mean, you have all those, all those things for the rigging. So, you know, that's probably one of those things where they would just like pull them out and use them as part of the set. Because this is one of the few set. It might be the only set that doesn't have a roof. Yeah. Fucking Jonesy. Look at that shit. Uh, I guess they had... Oh, look at that. KY Jelly. It's just yeah. sponsored by KY Jelly. Wow, look at that. Way, it's actually got quite pretty lips, the alien. It's got, <laughs> it's got condoms on its lips. But <laughs> <laughs> well, it's kind of got like kissy lips. It hasn't just got like a vicious mouthful of teeth. It's got mm. like nice lips. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Then when it peels uh, the lips back, it's a sheen of death. Look at that. Uh, I love how it's not centered frame, too. It's 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 left justified. It's so great. Apparently they actually scared the cat with a, an Alsatian during yeah. that. It was a shepherd or something, right? Yeah, a German shepherd. Yeah, they would put a. The, so cool. They had the cat there, and then they re- moved his panel, and the shepherd was there, and they caught the cat's reactions. And what a great spot! What a great way to cut to the cat's expression of the situation. You know, the cat led uh, the character in, and he died, but then the cat's just sitting there. Un- That's it's, it's just really smart, you know. Um, and what it does for me as an audience member makes me think um, un- unknowingly, you know, uh, and not until I'm really analyzing it at this point, you know. Look at this old-fashioned blueprints. So great. And why not, why not have heads. that? Why not? Like, why do you have yeah, to have a holographic good. table and all this stuff? You know. Yeah. I mean, it's it makes so sense good. logically, but why not? You know, yeah. that's you're building a world. It becomes a believable world, and it all kinds of makes sense. Yeah. Here we go. Dallas is taking the lead. Ash is. Yeah. Uh, and what now? Like weird. an hour or so into the film. We're one hour and two minutes in. And it looks like we finally got a lead. Yeah, it feels like it. But that's the cool thing about horrors too, and especially horror within a group. You have leads at different times, and then they get taken out, and then you uh, see who really comes to, to the. Though, isn't it? Yeah. It just, it just goes to show that you know, they, just because you've read like Save the Cat or whatever, you know, all those kind of classic <laughs> kind of. Film, film books that everybody's read. I, I did actually read a good essay recently that, that said that that was one of the big problems with trying to make a film these days is yeah, that every producer read these books. And so whatever you're trying to do as a filmmaker, everybody else around you will have read these books and will recite these rules to you. That's the beautiful thing about this. There's no fucking rules. Uh, you might think there is, but this thing, this film, uh, as a huge film, is actually breaks many different rules. Like we said, there's no... 
um, huge dialogue uh, in the beginning. There's there's a lead, but there's not really a lead, and it constantly changes. You know, if you were to put this film nowadays, there would be like, oh, we need a lead right now, and it has to. Yeah. They have to be doing this shit, and it's what that what you do with that is you just create. Um, I mean, you could still make a great film like that. It just depends on your choices, obviously. But you couldn't make a brilliant film like this, you know? Look at this film. Look at that line. Look at that. Oh, look at the, see, look at all the black space, though. You want to make, create uh, claustrophobic? Look at that, sh- that frame. You're- I've got to say, though, um, this is a really bad plan. Like, a flamethrower in that space. <laughs> it's a terrible plan. Yeah. Well, what would Dallas you do? Well, bright what would you do um, though because you have you can't shoot it because it'll bleed then you want to kind of scare it into like another airlock or something isolate it find, like bright lights and loud noises first of all before i go in over the flamethrower yeah like same now i mean I'd pro- if i if i had the choice of a flamethrower if it was a flamethrower or nothing and i was going uh, up against flamethrower all day long yeah, yeah it, actually he's probably doing the right thing it just doesn't look um, I mean, imagine imagine filming this as well with that bright light in his face. There's so it much water dripping everywhere. <laughs> I love that um, the, the kind of how the camera lens opens, you know, the the design for the door yeah. changes. It's really beautiful because it could be, like you're saying, there's a lot of really great door action happening in this film. It's like door porn film, and that's one of those different really designs, is. you know, so... Like, yeah, pa- you can see that hand-painted prop to the, le- to the left of her or to her right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the yeah. texture on it, the the pasty texture. Yeah. Look at that. Oh, it's so sick. It sounds good as well, that horrible scraping. <laughs> yeah. Sounds like yeah. Doesn't sound good. Nope. And you're just what yeah. you're doing is you're you're putting him into this you're locking him into claustrophobic. Look at every scene with him that involves him, it, you don't really see the edges. He's getting smaller and smaller. Yeah. It's great. It's beautiful. It's, it's, yeah. These are all choices, though. I want. That's that's one thing. Is everything that we're seeing here are, is a choice by somebody? Oh, very deliberate. Yes, whether we know it or not, and that's the brilliance and the genius of it. And there's so much brilliant, deliberate stuff that it becomes normal. Yeah. So you go from shot to shot to shot and just accept it as being normal. Yes. When actually the entire thing is a very carefully crafted construct all the way through. It's perfect. Yep. I always love this bit. Yeah, it's like this looked like so much fun, like blasting the. <laughs> it looks like it looks dangerous, but it looks fun. Yeah, I'm surprised he let he let the actor even use that thing. So dangerous. Well, apparently they were all quite nervous when they were filming this. Oh, I'm sure. I would be. With flamethrowers, is yeah, it's gonna make you a bit nervous. I think. Here I we go. I love that shot. I love that. Yeah. A lot of with all the lights at the top. I love it. What's cool is now is you're having there's there's a lot more jump cuts and we're seeing from action to reaction to um, exposition to different things and just the choices of order is just really great as well. One thing they did do as well here, this shows how good this film is. We've got the classic movie trope going on here where they built a little tracking thing so they can tell him what's going on. And now when he's in the tunnel with a flamethrower it's kind of going on the fritz and not working properly. Yeah. For no real good reason other than the script requires it for drama. But in this film, it's totally fair enough. There's nothing cheap about that. Yep. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. Playing brilliantly. He's holding his position. He's just blasting his flamethrower off, playing it safe. They're trying to get it working again. It's all getting very tense and fraught. You know, it's great. So many films would do the same thing, but it would be like a cheap move. Yeah. And that's one thing too. Like I was going to say, there's a very um, mature restraint with a lot of the filmmaking in this. 
Um, like this, this, this whole thing with this technology failing and then working again is how to do what could be a cheap move perfectly. Yep, exactly. Because we all understand that technology doesn't always work. And then look at, uh, here it comes. I always thought it was kind of funny and cheap when the alien kind of comes out. You see it's all like crunched and scrunched and the thing is all, eh. <laughs> yeah, they kind of held it just a, a couple of frames too much. Uh, like cause it, it holds yeah. its arms out and stops. Yeah. Always felt like it to me like it should have been cut. moving through the whole cut. Yeah, you know should have. Yep, I, I agree. That's if they were to cut that tiny a little, little bit thing, early. Tiny little thing, but um, you know. or let the light pass and let it move or something. Yeah, but who, who knows? Maybe on that day, Ridley was fucking spent. He had done too many setups, and he had to just get that shot done or and move along, or or who knows? Maybe that was the second unit or something. Look at um, look at the trans uh, transition going on here yep. with Veronica Cartwright. Well, we're looking That's for our lead. Really stressed out now. Yeah. Look at, look at. Yeah, Lambert's Lambert's the audience member. Uh, Ripley's taking lead now. Here it is. This is the shining. Sorry, Ash, I just dropped out for a sec there. I've lost the picture again. That's right. I'll add you. So, so we got we got classic shining right here. <laughs> look at her. <laughs> it's physically transformed. She looks like a different person. Yeah, and well, it's also the way they're lighting her too. Um, yeah. She's, I love I love cool collected Sigourney Weaver here though. She's really coming through now. Just really like I love the way that Ripley deals with stress. Yeah, she lost it on set here too because they were constantly fighting. So that's real shit right there. <laughs> it's a funny thing that whole you hear all these stories about directors really like screwing with actors to get performance. And there's a lot of stories out there of all kinds of directors and actors having yeah. all kinds of mind games going on when they're shooting and stuff. Um, it's something that I'm always in, you know, I, I don't know how I feel about that stuff, to be honest, because I tend to find that when I work with people, I tend to become friends with them. And sure. so messing with them like that kind of might feel a bit weird. But you can't argue with the results on this film. You can't, yeah. And I, 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 I feel the same way because you do friend them and you don't want to cause harm to them, but you know that at the end of the day, um, the, f the film is the reason why you're all together and to make sure that and remember that that's the key to make the great film and if in the great film that you're making the character that they're playing it has to be distressed beyond themselves um, it's like iron sharpens iron you know and I think that I mean it, I don't know if, if I was in the same position if I could create that but possibly maybe I don't know and again it, it it also kind of depends, like, you might not have needed to do that because they are all great actors. Yeah, but I think might it might have helped, though. I mean, obviously it did yeah. help. You saw right there yeah. that scene where she fucking freaks out and yells at him. It's like, uh, yells at Parker. Oh. It was, that was real That was real tension on set. Yeah. Look at that cut. It's a mess. Look at that booger just drumming down. <laughs> so great. And I bet she's... Oh, I love this bit where she's got the key. Yeah. yeah. Come on, Mom. It's time to talk. Yeah. Ash sneaks in all sneaky. Look at that set. She doesn't really know how it works. Like it's she's really good at the whole kind of like she's she's been told how to do all of this, like how to access it, like ages ago. Yeah. Never think she'd need to do it. Yeah. And she's kind of clumsy, like putting the keys in and stuff. Look at those like, keys, those yeah. graphics too. Ah, it's so great. I showed this film to uh, my girlfriend. Um, 
I've been like, I hate you. <laughs> about three years or so ago. Hmm. And one of the things that, that she commented on was how good Sigourney Weaver's skin is. Hmm. Which I thought was quite a... Interesting. It was weird because we watched it and I was like, what do you reckon? She was like, she's got such amazing skin. Like, you <laughs> just watched Alien and you comment. It's like, <laughs> That's funny. That just goes to show how different everybody interprets a film. You know, I would, I never, I've never thought of that. If but, you look at some of the close-up stuff later on when she's making the kind of emergency, you know, the, the, the big kind of sort of desperate um, run for the shuttle. Yeah. There's lots of gossips of her sweating, like popping her head up around corners and things. Yeah, uh, she has got really good skin. <laughs> she's a she's a beautiful woman. Look at that! I love that shot. Shot too. Oh, the little smile. Leans back. Oh, boom. He's punch his face in, don't you? He's such a prick. Yep. Fucker. This is great. Like, you just exactly. You just explode. You'd be like his acting such though. A perfect reaction. You just grab hold of him and just bang his head against the wall. Look at his acting though. His acting through this whole film is master, like master level. Especially, you you could watch this whole film. Just watch him. And thinking the first time you see it, you still think he's just a bloke. Yep. There's no reason why you would presume he was a robot. Yeah, but the the little the little I love that set that's that suit that she's Look at wearing. These doors. Look how good these doors are. <laughs> Look at that shot right there too, the depth of focus and just the intention. Oh the little milky sweat bead. Yep. Yeah. Those doors. There's just door after door and they're all great. Here we go. Here comes our lead. There it comes. Never trust a man. I remember this too. I remember being like, "What the hell is going on?" Can you remember when you first saw Alien? Can you remember the circumstances when you first saw it? Uh, I just remember freaking out. (laughs) I was pretty young, I think. Was it like VHS video or something? Yeah, it was VHS. I had a, a fantastic first experience of Alien, which was uh, it was on television in the UK. I must I don't know how old I was. I'm old and young, but um, I was on a family holiday, and my dad had this portable TV, um, like a, an old black and white, one of the first portable televisions with a little sort of four inch screen. And we we're at a holiday camp, and my mum and dad went out drinking and left me and my two sisters uh, in bed. And I got up and turned the TV on. And it's like a little black and white set with like a little analog kind of dial that you turn to get the channels. And I was just having a look to see what was on TV because I couldn't sleep. And I, I should have been in bed. I wasn't supposed to be doing it. And I found, <laughs> I found Alien. Oh, man. And I, it, was, it was about, um, I didn't know what, what it was. And they'd just gone into the Alien ship. Mm. And I watched the whole, I was completely glued to this little four-inch black and white screen with the sound really, really quiet so I didn't get caught. And uh, I watched the whole film like that. In a, in a pitch black room by myself and I was probably about maybe like nine or something I don't know like young and it, it just blew my mind I, I didn't know what I'd watched I watched the whole thing and it finished and I was like I don't know what that was it just blew my mind yeah same it opened up things that you didn't even realize you had in your mind I just <sighs> thought the whole thing was real it's, this scene know. is so disturbing why would he use he would use a porno magazine to killer with it's so fucked it's up weird. it's yeah. weird and the spinning right here and the sound horrible yeah this scene is just i mean it just it can't get more intense than this boom yeah. Oh, yeah. and his head just hanging out the back of his it's so funny the arms too if you pay attention to the arms the arms are like eh, er, er, er. <laughs> he's like doing the robot <laughs> 
He does a good robot. <laughs> and how beautiful is it to use a synthetic material like milk, you know? Oh, yeah. Was it um, milk and spaghetti and pasta and yeah. um, glass it, beads, I think it was. Glass beads, really. yeah. And it looks like quinoa. <laughs> yeah. Uh, like so couscous. And wires and things. So and great, so though. Because robots yeah. before that didn't have this, you know? Nothing, I never yeah. saw anything like this before. Yeah. As a robot. No, it was all circuitry and wires. Yeah. Never seen anything like this. It's just weird. There is a lot of weird stuff in this film. Uh, <laughs> so horrible. Uh, I can't believe this film got made. <laughs> so awesome. Look at that. Oh, man. So the next shot you cut to is just an exposed neck with beads and like weird guts and bits of fiber. And you're like, what? His fingers are going into his neck as well. His <laughs> yeah, his, his fingers are. And I think uh, Ridley actually helped dress this. Well, this. Kind of, that TikTok noise, it's really nice. That's so it's nasty. like a little kind of tick, tick, tick yep. noise. But yeah, I love that sound design. There's a little bit on here where you can see her trying to kind of get the sticky thing to stick where she presses it down. Yeah. This bit here, she sort of presses like, come on, stick down, stick down. <laughs> and then they have to jump to the next nether cut. That is a little bit shonky. That was that yeah. That's one problem I have with this scene. I think I don't know. I mean, I, don't, I have no clue. It must have been so hard to do this and all all in general. But yeah, I probably would have just cut to that right there because the model is. I know why you did it because you can show that the head was fully exposed. But uh, I have a I have a little problem with the scene, but I'll tell you in a moment when it comes up. <laughs> I do like the way that they shifted his voice and stuff, though. It's so good. And it's Parker beautiful. just glowering with the splinter on the back. furious. <laughs> so pissed off. Oh, it's also great, though. It's just, he's so weird. I think one of the things that this film does show is that if, you, you know, if, you, if you're looking to, to make something in the genre space, just don't shy away from going weird. As long as all your other stuff's supporting, as long as you've got a good script... And you got a, you know some good cast and some good uh, you know good production quality going on. Don't shy away from going weird. Yeah, do show us something that we've never seen before. Yeah, and Why just, not? just let, let the story support it. Just you know, just I mean, it's a great you know, example of it. The, yeah, yeah. And this film, when you, the more you look at it, if you look at it, if you went through this film and just went, that's weird, that's weird. When oh, weird the whole stuff thing. Comes, there's a there's a lot of it. I mean, we've mentioned quite a bit of it. Um, in this chat tonight, but there's more. There's more weirdness in here. Oh yeah, it's just never ending. It's disgustingly weird film <laughs> that we love because it's so unique and it really captured so much of our imagination. And it's just, I think a lot of the interesting things too is there's a lot of um, there's a lot of things underneath the surface that we don't really realize until we really can dive into it. The sexual connotations and the psychological things that are happening. The the ebbs and flows between characters, you know, and because the script was written so unisexually, it 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 could be either. Oh, Look at that skin! Yeah. Look at that skin! Her that skin is, is beautiful. Skin. I remember there was also like she thought she was allergic to uh, the cat too, but it was just like the Vaseline that they were like throwing at her or stuff. <laughs> the Vaseline on the cat. Yeah. I don't think cats- Vaseline. Oh, look at that! See that shot? That shot. He looks like a grandpa or something. He's all. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. Blow up the ship! Come on, let's do this. You're obviously going to blow the ship up. How else are you going to end a film like this? You have to. It's time to eradicate it all. Fuck Wayland. <laughs> it's a big middle finger to the corporation. See right there, I would have been like, why not just cut? Well, I guess because you're burning it, but why not cut to that other scene where? This is a little thing that bothers me about this scene. 
when we see his face melt here, yeah. he hasn't got any holes where his eyes should go. Yeah. <laughs> it's a little thing, but it always bothered me that. Yeah. This is great. Look at this classic. Rushing down a corridor with flamethrowers, like talking about <laughs> tip up. Brilliant. Which What's the plan? Here comes the witch hunt. Yeah, yeah, pulling along. The original cut on this film was three hours or something like that. I remember reading three hours and twelve minutes or something like that. And I, I tell you something that I always, I always think is a huge shame about not only this film but a lot of other films of that were made in this sort of celluloid era is that you know when you're shooting, you know you'll you'll you've always got budget restraints and you can't print everything that you shoot. So think about this: like when they were filming this, they'll have had tons of cans of film that would never got printed crazy and i mean they might be like versions of takes there'll be all kinds of stuff there'll be just stuff that you shoot when you're filming you know there'll be details and cutaways and all sorts of stuff yeah so i'm not really talking about lost scenes or anything i'm just talking about like literal film of these actors in this world that just we never got to see when they did the theatrical stuff they had found like a bunch of the original footage um i don't know how they lost it but they found a bunch of it um when they were going through like the studio years later and they found all this extra footage. And so they put some of that extra stuff in there. I mean, I'd watch like 40 hours of <laughs> just literally just takes just what they were shooting. Well, yeah. Well, your blog is the testament that so many of the photos and the, and the stuff is, is serve is around this film. Um, and just like photos of, yeah. of of production and stuff like that, and the behind the scenes I stuff. I get back into that a bit more. When I was um, doing that blog, <clears throat> when I started it, I was working at an advertising company, and we were only busy about half the time. And the other half of the time, we were encouraged to just kind of do our own thing online, mm. which is where I um, started my blog. Um, and I'm just so busy now; I don't really have time to attend to it in the way that I feel would do it justice. Yeah, and I noticed that. Stuff. There's so much stuff that I'd love to put up there. But if you're going to do that, it, I reckon that a good blog needs at least half of your time. Yeah, it's and to it's do it just, right. Yeah, just working as, you know, what I'm doing right now, you know, getting my feature off the ground and stuff. I just don't have, I don't have the time to get into it. I'd love to get back to it at some point, but... Hey, you're you onto different yeah. things, you know. You're actually going to start creating your own content. That takes more time and energy than anything else yeah you know, so. i can't moan it's like we're going to be yeah i'm going to be like directing a feature that i've written so it's good it's a decision that you're making you know so you'll it's yeah. like, look at that depth of focus there man oh this is just look at that it's a painting it's a painting of light yeah dop just it's, it's just inf inf insane it's just so beautiful look at those graphics yeah <laughs> Do, have you played alien isolation the game yet yeah it's yeah. intense huh it's intense the first couple of times you play it it's a little bit of a one trick pony but it's a good trick well yeah it's, well that's what it's designed to be though I, I wish i wish i'd play i'd waited until i got an oculus and played it with the oculus the first time oh you can that probably do it all over yeah i'm sure it's yeah. a new experience with that too yeah um all that yeah. stuff that, that team did a fantastic job though it's recapturing a lot of this stuff i felt they did a really wonderful job yeah they did i did hate the story though i gotta say when i when the whole thing was like oh what with his daughter what oh what <laughs> can you not just do you know what i mean it's so derivative but i mean the the whole thing ultimately didn't it didn't matter because it was it worked yeah but when i when i first heard about the project and it was like ripley's daughter it brought out all the cynical cynical voices in the back of my head going why do you do that why not sure. 
But um, they pulled it off. So, some of my favorite gameplay in that was actually when you're actually in the scenes of this film, you know? Mm. Do you remember that? Have you ever played that part? I think it's like they did some that game test a, things. That was a big pull, though, wasn't it? it was just to, to be in the world of Alien. And, I mean, of course, who doesn't want to? Was offering, really. Yeah. Uh, get in there, yeah. you little cat. Damn yeah. you, cat. That spotlight. Oh, there you go. Mm. Introducing the next character. I would have loved to have seen um, Parker fight the alien. Like, just go at it. Like, completely lose, but just him just go balls out and try and try and punch the alien. <laughs> One punch. No, you wouldn't want to see that. It would, it would, I, I it would demystify of, it. I just, yeah, I just kind of daydream about Parker just getting one really good punch on the alien. You're getting too nerdy about it. <laughs> yeah, look at that decision to make that, though. Maybe maybe we could talk about aliens next because it's got tons of that. Look at that right there. And the noise, too, the sound. So they're using, uh, Giger used a human skull, uh, mold of a human skull for the the front head of the thing, and originally I think Giger wanted to do some like glasses on it, but Ridley wanted it to be a f- uh, an eyeless beast. Yeah, he thought that um, the the blindness gave it a really weird edge, yeah. and hinted at like senses that we didn't comprehend. It's which a is, killing machine. Uh, yeah. Oh, that condom right there. Metallic teeth and KY jelly. Oh, it's so sick. And if you hear again, it's. I've got I've got my little Ripley down here. I think she wants to go outside, but she's making weird noises at me. She wants to work a little bit. Look at that. And again, it's left it's left justified, and then we have the victim right justified. So you're going back and forth and traveling back and forth, looking. And now, this, look, look at how that it goes up the it goes up into the tail goes up into like where's it going? But it's so sexual, you know. Well, it was like a sex thing, wasn't there? Where um, there was a an original early thought that uh, Lambert might have actually been raped by the alien. So fucked up. Which is, yeah, but I mean, I'm glad they didn't get into any of that stuff. It just gets a bit weird when you start getting into that it's, stuff. Yeah, that's that's when you, somebody's listened to Giger too much. <laughs> yeah. Imagine yeah. him. The thing is about this, too, that I always find really interesting is that, um, you know, we've, we're watching this film here, but obviously this film is it's literally a lens that's capturing some action that's going on in a room. Yeah. And, you know, everything's set up, that environment. Everything's set up so that, you know, the lens captures the world and everything outside of that doesn't exist. But for every shot you've got going on here, you've got Ridley Scott, like, right behind the camera. Like, he's in the... He's here. Yep. Do you know what I mean? You've got H.R. Giga, like, you'll be stood behind him watching. Do you know what I mean? You've yep. got all these other filmmakers are right here. They're in the same room at the same time. Making those decisions. Yeah, they're yeah. all there. They're in the. They're just behind the camera instead of in front of it, but they were there. Yeah. Uh, we're about to get one of the nicest pieces of graphic design in science fiction now. Here it goes. Yeah, it's beautiful, and uh, this nuclear kind of like release thing is really beautiful too. If I you pay, t- if, if you pay attention really closely, <laughs> I have it on uh, Blu-ray as well, and it's like markered in the danger. Yeah, like, you can see the color mark. Yeah, it's funny. Look at that. <laughs> yeah, it's so awesome. <laughs> that that prop is so good. About, the thing I love about all of this is it feels like what you would need to do to blow up a ship. Yep. It's like a real ball egg, like all the stuff she's got to do. Yep. It's not an accidental thing. There's a whole sequence. It's and I've never seen anything like an example of something like this that's been done anywhere near this well in a sci-fi film. Like 
you're going to blow up a ship. There's a procedure. There's a bunch of equipment you need to use. Yeah. And this is yeah. what you have to do. It's it's the design in this. And again, it's weird. Like there's like big panels coming up from the ground and screwing things in and stuff. Weird buttons. But it's just like perfect. It, it feels like it, what Cameron you need to touched do to in on that on the abyss, didn't he? I can't remember. My memory serves me right, but I remember there being a kind of a procedural thing to some kind of like nuclear. Oh, there is, yeah, there's the, the Merv uh, warhead where yeah. coughs, yeah, Michael Bean. Actually, there's a, I'm going to have a little geek out thing here because there's a thing that I've, look at that ladder. Look, oh, that, ladder. look that turns the camera too. So cool. Spin around. This is the, oh, this is a, this is a scene where she finds um, the cocooned Dallas. Yep. Dallas is. This is a director's cut then. Oh, that's weird. I didn't click on the director's cut. Well, maybe I'll have to make specific. Yeah, because I thought this was cut from the theatrical release. But I, I'm watching theatrical release, I thought, on the Alien, like the multi-disc set thing. I'll post a link so everybody, if you don't have this, you can watch it. But there's also, like, the online versions and stuff, too. They have it as well on iTunes and everything. But this isn't an original theatrical thing. Oh, look at that, dude. Oh, so Gross. Straight out of. Uh, and do you notice there's a lot of rain dropping in this entire film? Yeah. Look at Dallas. He does look like shit, though, doesn't he? He looks like a like a pastry, <laughs> <laughs> like an apple fritter or something. Yeah. He's like encased in like sugar. It's so gross. I could probably eat my way out of that. <laughs> I love I love fritters, honestly. Yeah. They're bad. Oh, who is that? Who the fuck was that? That was Brett, right? That was, oh, uh, man, first, he's, full, he's fully decomposed. It was a cool idea, them turning into eggs, but I really liked what Cameron did with uh, bringing the queen in. Mm. I thought that was just, it was just great. I mean, it's a weird idea, though, them kind of turning into eggs to become aliens. Yeah, it's creepy. Oh. He did have a head full of worms, didn't he, Giga? He did, yeah. He was. It was quite a mind. Yeah. It really is nightmare fuel. His stuff. You actually think about it. Yeah. I mean, his art books. I'm, I'm sure. Like, I have a bunch of those too. Yeah, I'm. I had a, a real period of being obsessed with him when I was doing my um, art A levels when I was like sort of sixteen to eighteen. Sure. And then when I got a little bit older at uni and started working, I collected all of his art books. When I got when I seriously got into art books and started like buying expensive art books when I could, um, the Giga ones were, that was where I started was with a set of Giga books. But um, yeah, I'm getting ready to move houses, so I've been packing up all my stuff, and I'm one of those people where when I'm doing that, I'll just kind of get hung up on things and start looking, you know, <laughs> off a shelf to pack it in a box, and then I'll open it and I'll be like, oh, and I'll just get lost in it for half an hour. And I was getting quite lost in because we were going to be having this chat. I was spending quite a bit of time with my Giga book when I was putting them away. And uh, he's a, he's just, they're just extraordinary. Like the artwork is just extraordinary. The thing about Giger too, I think um, from an artist's point of view, um, I guess in the roles that we play is like diversity helps keep your career going. But with him, he's, it was like perfect timing for him. And then after this, so it's like you can't really top this. Uh, he wasn't able to really necessarily, you know, like a lot of people are seeking him out to do film design for him. But species is just a lot of bullets compared to this. Yeah. Well, everything. <laughs> Look at that shot yeah. right there, too. It's like, give me your cat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Jonesy. I love the way she's going back for the cat. My mum's a big cat lover and I grew up in a house full of cats. Mm. So this really resonated with me, like going back to grab the cat. But the audience is like, don't fucking do it, you know? But yeah. it's it, it but it we're also building the character uh not we're they they were building the character of that Ooh, was filled this with here, empathy. This, this miniature here, sorry, the engine room bay there. So sick. Um, when we're when we're doing moon, Bill Pearson pulled that out and showed it to me and I had a massive geek out about it. I had a really nice uh, chat with him about it and just got to touch it. So awesome. Ending the procedure. Yeah, it's so cool, just showing them all back in. I always felt like she got gypped on this because I felt like she did it in time. It kind of felt like she should have just got away with it. <laughs> Look at that real acting right there, just falling all over the set. Yeah. The air quality must have been horrible there. Sparks flying, oh, fucking yeah. crazy amounts of fog and stuff. Apparently, he used to um, fog up with uh, joysticks, like, you know, like in a monastery or something. Okay. Oh, I remember in an interview with Sigourney Weaver, her saying that, um, you know, when something significant happens in your life and there's a smell that goes with it, whenever yep. you smell a smell again, it'll take you right back there. She was saying that there's a brand of joysticks, and whenever she smells them, it's it, she's back on Alien. <laughs> the whole, whole place just smelled like these joysticks. Wow. There's so much health and safety things now to do with fogging up sets. Though. Yeah, it's, they don't allow. You can't. You can't just click your fingers and get this light anymore. That's the thing I'm saying about these. This film is is there's so many things that are against making films like this. Um, Actually, do you know what you can if you make it abroad? The DOP on sure. Moon. A friend of mine called Gary Shaw telling me stuff after Moon. He went and did a, a few films out in Bollywood, mm. and the, the health and safety. Stuff. <laughs> We're we're talking about like ruining the health of people just for the the the, the craft, but at the he same was time, he telling me stories. He was telling me stories about fogging up a set with people with shitty little knackered motor scooters just revving them with the door shut. It's crazy. That's nasty. <laughs> that's just that's that's just poison gas. Yeah, that's which is pretty close to this, but yeah. How's that? Yeah. How's these? How's these lights? This tension building. I mean, this the use of light in this film in general is just overwhelming, and the use of it yeah. here is just like, um, let's let's add tension here. Let's add as much as we can. How can we do that? Let's go from black to full color. Let's go from red to blue. Look at her face divided. These are all decisions, you know. Yeah. Ah, there we go. I found you. There you go. <laughs> it's an exciting sequence as well, this. Yes. It's brilliant. Because it's so tense and it's like, come on, just get into... Just- long shots, though. Long shots. Look how long yeah. the shot is. Yeah. You know, you think today's, nowadays, you'd probably have somebody running along with a steady cam, like oh, be, shaking three, shaking the shit out of the steady cam. But look at this. It's a long shot for high yeah. tension. It's still going. We're just now about to get a cut right there. We got a little Kubrick action, center frame action going on here. Uh, you can feel the. Uh, oh, it takes the box in. Man, that it's must like, have been oh, hot as fuck. You ever feel that? Like flames hit like that? It's crazy. Yeah. The heat wave that it comes off of that. It's crazy. Oh, on, on set pyros are crazy. I do. The, I, I mean, that stuff. I find that stuff quite exciting actually when you get like blasts of heat. But the, there he is. the scariest on set pyro for me was when we were filming um, Shaun the Dead. And I had to stand, I was being a zombie at the time, and I had about a dozen blokes with assault rifles. Uh, they were Heckler and Cop G36s hmm. firing directly at me in full auto. They were firing blanks. <laughs> I was at Shepparton again. Everything happens at Shepparton. 
Uh, they were firing full auto from about, I don't know, like 10 or 12 feet away, directly directly at us. And it was absolutely terrifying. Sure, because it feels real. Yeah, it feels real. And, and then you think about of, Brandon of, Lee or something, you know? Yeah, it, that was Rest that was the scariest onset sort of thing that I've had with any of that stuff. But look at Sigourney, just got blasted by like crazy like fire and shit. I find the the fire stuff's quite exhilarating though, because it's like it's kind of it's like a cheeky little tickle, because you're never really <laughs> feeling that much real danger, but you did feel it, and it's like, ooh, that was that was a real thing. Here we go. Oh, this is look at the skin. She has got good skin. <laughs> Look at that green screen mask. This is this is another thing that you. It's a little see. long. Look at look at what we see from this, uh, like the visual effect of the explosion. Yeah. You never do it like that. Now. This is this weird, like some kind of slit scan thing, some process. It's some weird, like analog thing that someone's done. I'm not quite sure how they created that. It kind of reminds me of what Doug Trumbull did with the Stargate sequence in uh, 2001. Yeah, it's very similar. I think. You like, can see it right here, right there, now, yeah, it's... yeah, exactly. Well, they... now, you know, with computers and stuff, you just get a big explosion, that'd be it. <laughs> the, the sound design, too, is really interesting with this. And the decision to show it through that window, that framing, everything, too. Here we go, we're locking on her. But if you pay attention closely, um, and you, you never would have noticed it in the beginning of this film, watching it for the first time, but that handheld shot where she's walking, coming back through here, racing to get to the station to, to launch off, you can see... The alien up in the wires or on the side of the wall, you can see its head kind of stuck yeah. in there. If you pay <clears> close <throat> attention, yeah, it's, it's just tucked in. It's just, again, it's just trying to survive. It's trying to hide. Yeah. Look at that shot, man! Look at that, that rim light. It's so beautiful with that little catch on her cheek. There's another another um, rule breaking thing going on here, which is quite interesting. Which is the introduction of a fourth act. Mm, yeah, it's true. Which is starting right now. Because yeah, so, most of the time you'd be like, "Oh, it's done. We're we're done. We it's she blew up the, no, the alien. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, let's keep time. going. Why not? You know, I think is isn't Dan's book about the fourth act? He's like the four act kind of writer. Isn't that what it is? Or uh, is it three yeah, third well, act? He, I mean, there's tons of great stuff in his book, but that is one thing that he talks about quite a lot. He talks about um, the bitter guy, <laughs> or was yeah. Well, I mean, he got screwed. He yeah. got screwed. What did Don O'Bannon? I think he's uh, honestly. The, he's a very interesting guy. I mean, he's, he is actually one of my heroes. Um, I find the more you learn about him, the more interesting he gets because he was a very influential guy in all kinds of weird ways in sci-fi and genre cinema, and most of which he didn't really get credit for. Sure. Like, even for this uh, film, they they totally negated him from credit on this oh, thing. Oh, yeah. I this forget what his, they credited him for. Well, he got um, based on an original story by... Yeah, seriously, which is, like, crazy because he, you know, without... His involvement we wouldn't have Giger, we wouldn't have all these he other artists the team involved. To Ridley Scott. Yeah. He brought the whole team to Ridley Scott, well, most of the team to Ridley Scott. Yeah. And like you said before, it was uh, um, Jodorowsky, June, um, the board team. Of June team. Yeah. So it was Chris Foss, it was Giger, it was um, Jean Girard, Mobius, um, it was himself, it was his collaboration with uh, Ronald Shusett. Um, yeah. Here we go, and Space Andes. Oh. I must admit, um, this scene really did it for me as a. <laughs> well, it's, it's appealed to it's so many. It's so cool, though. Yeah. She's just like, you know, she's she's kind of wandering around in her undercrackers, and it's all fine. It's like There's it really alien. is like it's really voyeuristic. Like that's why she's such a great actress. It's like there's no camera there to her. Do you know what I mean? She's just by herself in a flat. Yep. That butt crack. 
She's got no, <laughs> she has no butt. She's gone. <laughs> there we go. And it's so cool. Like she's right next to it. Unaware. Uh-huh. Yeah. This is a this is a classic. This is just textbook. This whole horror moment, like the hand coming out. Yeah, it's kind of um, a bit Hitchcock too. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, what did you call those MacGuffins or whatever? Not that's not a MacGuffin, but it's kind of like a he d- he uses a lot of that with film. It's a, yeah, it's like a it's like a um, uh, I, I forget the term. I know what you're saying. Yeah, mm-hmm. look at that. Ah, oh, so sick. Here we go. I got to say, I love I love seeing a white spacesuit as well. One of the things that I really love in films is when you see something and then later on in the film, as the world broadens out, you see other versions of the same thing that are a bit different. Yeah. And so I loved seeing the white spacesuit as well as an alternative to the the kind of battered um, copper and and kind of um, fabric spacesuits that we saw earlier. You know, seeing a pristine white one with all the nice graphics and stuff on it, I just kind of get a kick out of that kind of stuff. Well, it just shows contrast and and, and just like in our real lives, there's... there's there's a red cars, there's blue cars, there's orange cars, there's, you know, so it's just makes sense. Right. Instead of having everything unison. So it it just builds more of the reality of that world, the plausibility of it mentally. It just fills your mind with a bunch of uh, information basically. Yeah, here we go. (laughs) So great. I got to say, there was a little bit about this plan that I never really got. Um, I've kind of reconciled it. It's basically to do with the grappling gun. It's like why shoot it with a grappling gun? But I think I reconciled it with she was just using the using it to blast it out the door, and the fact it was a grappling gun was by the by. She just needed to get out the ship, and that was all she had that could push something out. Mm. Look at the decision to have her in her underwear, and then this like penis phallic like thing coming out, and that shot was just really oddly, really just close in on her like vaginal area you know like even she lifts her leg and everything and then you have this thing it's almost the same camera's position too oh i mean the, the so angles on inside this locker are all about claustrophobia aren't they and, uh, but I mean, it's the very sexual about- it's crazy sexual these the tension right here is just hypersexual this film no, is weird. even more that I didn't yeah. even realize how sexual that was until I just, you know, with the mouth coming out and the projectile and the fallacy of it, like just like look at that um, awesome John Giroux, beautiful helmet text like textures and designs. It's so beautiful. Like what is that? that? Yeah, yeah, well, that's it. It's nothing, is it? It's just it's um, cool. It's, it's just fucking rad stuff for the gorgeous. world. It's weird. It's just some weird little detail of beautifulness. Yep. That doesn't look out of place or wrong at all. And looks like the most uncomfortable suit ever. <laughs> it doesn't look very comfortable, does it? It's like samurai shield stuff on the top and hockey gloves painted white. Big giant bulb head. Love that texture on the glass right there. And it's just taunting her. There's a, a theory I read about this where it actually went in there to die. And if she'd left it alone, it would have just died. Hmm. But she goes in and starts pushing the hot gas, trying to, again, just fucking with it. <laughs> so leave it alone. She does make it come out. That's oh, just so good. We're going to listen to this lucky, back. Lucky, it's lucky, lucky. talking about how good it is all the time. Sure, that's fine, though, because we're fans of it. We're obviously very biased, but we I mean, I couldn't do a commentary on a film that I don't like or I haven't studied. That'd be horrible. <laughs> you know, I can imagine if we're doing like... 
Oh yeah. If I look at the graphics on the screen, <laughs> everything, the buttons, the gloves, all these little details are just gorgeous. These are all transfers from the model kits. It's great you know that she's singing too. Yeah. They had sheets of transfers left over. Yeah. Um, and those are all what's on the gloves, apparently. Yeah, I saw that the little like the little um, little f- focus things. Ah, so great. The sounds and the way that she was singing like a lullaby thing to herself too, just easing her tension, but actually adding more to it. Yeah. Ah, look at that. A strobe. Can you imagine being there on set? I'd be shooting. I'd be shitting myself. Just so happy. <laughs> like, oh my god! Yeah. I can't believe we we're gonna make history here. It must have been so exciting being around this when it was being filmed. Oh, god. I mean, watching dailies for this would just been like. Look at that looking? shit! Look at that head. Those tubes in the back. Just... It's still a pretty weird looking thing, even though we're now very familiar with what the alien is and the shape of it and everything. It's still pretty weird. It's but, weird, but it's weird, but it's understandable, you know. Oh, uh, look at that face. Well, I mean, one of the things this film, excuse me, this film did so well was not really show the alien, right? When you're actually watching it. So, I mean, now we all know what the alien is, but at the time, you couldn't really make it out. I wish that the they. I wish that uh, I don't know about this scene. I do love the effect when she turns the engine on. Well, this, of course, the water but, effect. Yeah. Yeah, the it's plasma. just water. Yeah. Light, but it's well shot. There's a shot. Yeah, this all this distortion, blurring and stuff. Just water hitting the hitting the uh, glass cover in the camera. Yeah, it's it the way the light. It's the way the the this double i never like this part though the way it's like double i hate when they do that they do like multiple they're doubles fed. they're just trying to get more out of that shit scene it's like fuck but that's like like i said this film isn't perfect for me perfectly but it is as close as it gets as far as this like genre and stuff and the distortion yeah. on that i wonder what lens they had to use because look how squished and weird that looks you know yeah well that was a um a full scale back of the model mm. hanging up in the roof with tons of water being pumped out of it. Pumped right out there. of it, yeah. <clears throat> here we go, this uh, the, concluding the fourth act here. So there you go. Don't be afraid to have four acts in a film and don't worry about not bringing your lead character through till, you know, like two thirds of the way in. Yeah, and be different, unique. Look at that. I love that, <laughs> sh- that shot too. Look at how stoic she is. Yeah, well, she's just like, imagine considering like, finally being safe and just kind of being about to go to bed and just kind of wrapping it all up in your mind. You'd be like, um, kind of a weird day. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of losing everybody that she knows and is around. She's the only human left. And just drifting through space in this tiny little ship, just having barely survived by the skin of your ass. The way that her hand goes up and touches her body too. I mean, these are all choices. Look at that. It's like, but the way her fingers, they mimic the the beast as well and then the fade into the stars and stuff yeah beautiful film boom yeah just fucking amazing what's that imagine making that (laughs) you'd be so thrilled you'd just be like yeah job done (laughs) yeah i can't imagine i can't imagine the high you get off that i remember hearing stories where uh ridley when they would go and release it to the theaters the first releasing in the theaters was really hard for him um because uh the sound was off it was really bad the sound was oh, really bad it's like when you make anything too he'll have all these things that should have been a bit more or should have been a bit there should have been a bit that. sure 
so he'll see all these shortcomings and little things that were rushed and all this kind of stuff. And I mean, like, I, w- I would imagine, like, you know, the thing, you, the example you just gave with the crossfade when the alien gets blasted out in the engines, yeah. things like that, they'll really piss him off because he'll have had this, you know, what he wanted to do and he had no time, no money, and, you know, there'll be all kinds of little bits like that, I'm sure. That, that's so fucked. They gave him visual design consultant to Ron Cobb. <laughs> oh, man. No wonder he's so bitter, man. That's so fucked up, man. If, Typical Hollywood, just to fuck people over. That's Wait, so what, fucked that up. Was that Ron Cobb, did you say? Yeah. You, no, uh, no, it was, uh, sorry, not Ron Cobb. Dan O'Bannon got visual design consultant or something like that on this film. That was what his, that's what they considered him, his involvement. Yeah. Um, he does <laughs> wow. talk about this quite a lot, doesn't he? You must have seen this on the making of the, um, the quadrilogy Blu-ray disc. There's quite a lot of interviews with him where he's talking about David Gowler and Walter Hill, the two producers. Yeah, he hated them. (laughs) But it sounded like they spent a lot of time trying to just cut him out of everything and read back to the whole product as the whole project of their own. Yeah, Um, he's obviously going to piss anybody off who created a project from fresh air. Yeah, of course. Um, but everybody's yeah. actions here led to this thing that we love. So some, yeah. you know, even if Dan was upset about it, like there was actions that they, maybe they saved, they helped save the project, you know? Well, I mean, there was a bit that Ronald Shusett's really, um, really clear about, which is that Walter Geiler and David Hill brought Ash into the, um, into the story. Yeah. The whole thing about Ash being a robot. That beautiful. was beautiful. Which, you know, that's a big, a big part of the story, right? So like you say, a huge team effort. I just, I hate the idea of, because I mean, you know, Dan O'Bannon's, you know, he's dead now. Yeah. And I just hate the idea of him not being happy at the way everything worked out. But yeah. I guess it's an imperfect place. Well, I think, you know, happiness comes from within, you know, and so it's just like, that's, you know, what you're going to do. That's his decision, you know. But at the same time, I think you guys like you and I sympathize with it because we're really similar to him, you know, like we're content creators and we want to make our own things. And when we see people as big as him create masterpieces like this or help fledge the light away and not get respected for it, it's really frightening, you know, because yeah. it's like, wow, like, like we could possibly be following the same path, you know, and that's really depressing, you know. But yeah, but dude, this movie is amazing. I'm so happy we had a chance to talk about this. There's a lot of things that both of us that we know separately that's really amazing about it as well. And um, yeah, I really enjoyed it. This is so much fun. I I want to do another one. Three years later, he makes Blade Runner, and maybe we should do Blade Runner next or something. Oh, that's a big one. It's a big big one. one. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Any, I mean, we could just, yeah, whatever films. Well, uh, no, look, I mean, I'm, I, yeah, I'm happy to chat about this stuff. I love, it, to be honest, you know, I watch this stuff all the time anyway when I'm working and stuff. I imagine you do yourself and probably yeah. everybody listening's, you know, we're all of a like mind, right? We're all the same, really. And, uh, you know, we're all familiar with this stuff. So, you know, it's a pleasure being able to, to chat with you about stuff like this. No, I, I appreciate it. it. I, know, I know you're busy and it's really awesome, but it's really cool. I think another thing that I think that we t- take away from this and then everybody else is when something's really great, right? When you when you first experience this thing, there's you only watch Alien for the first time one time and, and that impacts you f- for your whole life and anything that you encounter is something that's also equally amazing to you personally. Um, but when you encounter this thing, it's really important to 
for me at least, uh, I'm always curious, like why, why did it make me feel this way? And, and, and attaching yourself, t- attaching meanings and understandings to reasons why, um, because there's a science behind it. And basically when we're doing these things, it's like an archival thing. We're trying to discover these, um, these hidden languages and all these like genius decisions that were kind of made on the spot that makes these, this overall experience the way it is. And that's what makes this film for us, you know, and that's why we can watch it continuously. And I think it's really important and unique. If you're interested in film and you're interested in making film or you're interested in just understanding film, even beyond that, doing a lot of analysis of it, um, on your own, studying the books or reading the commentary or whatever it is. If you're interested in that, you know, I've known some creatives that, um, I admire that are totally against this kind of stuff. And they're more on like, just, creating content and not trying to focus on process just the idea of the goal and stuff like that as well so that's a whole different you know chapter as well and how people work on things and but for me and obviously for you too it's like we we really thrive on this stuff and it makes sense because the choices that we've made in our careers you know so but no i'm totally with you on that i mean i'm sure that you 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 know you're going to feel the same as me in that it would ultimately be a dream to create something as significant and wonderful as this film. Yes, that's the goal, right? We're, we're all trying goal. to chase that, yeah. yeah. But the and thing is, does, it will not... never know what that is because it, it doesn't exist yet. And you, in order exactly. to achieve that, you have to really go out. I mean, to, like just, you know, if you, if, if you know the story of how this film was made, it's like somebody passed a script to one of the writers through the window or something, and it was like it sat around it was almost reject it was like rejected from everybody it kind of sat around and nobody really accepted it and so until like somebody goes that chest burster scene there's something there and then they started putting investment time and that's how it got and so there's so many things there's so many like it, it to make new things is very difficult um especially when you involve so many people and money and stuff and it's just when anomalies like this are created it's just um so unique so special and something to really really consider and think about you know yeah so I think there's another thing too that I find um, particularly fascinating myself, which is that I like to look at when you see something like this. I like to sort of understand the teams of people that were involved in making it, and then look at where their influences came from. Yeah, I find it can be really interesting. Um, so we're all influenced I mean, from something. It, yeah, I mean, Blade Runner is a great one for this because if you start look at where the influences the people that worked on Blade Runner drew from, oh yeah, come from. Everybody, people like Harlan Ellinson writing it, um, you know, just going up. I mean, I've got quite a few sort of detective kind of threads that I've followed back that are quite sort of interesting with Blade Runner particularly. But oh, we have to know, do Blade Runner then. Stuff. I'm really curious. You're probably going to teach me a lot of stuff about it. That sounds awesome. Yeah, all right. We'll do Blade Runner. I'll, um, yeah, I love that. That'd we'll do it. We'll, cool. we'll do it down the road. It doesn't have to be anytime soon. I know you're busy, but... I think that's another film, and it's, especially if we're going to be following like a master filmmaker, like really, I think that's a really great departure from this film because this was his first sci-fi thing, and then he like obviously jumped into Blade Runner. That was like three years past, and um, just the maturity of filmmaking, and also the decisions and stuff, and going from these different films, you know, similar things but completely different. Um, yeah, there's definitely so much there. Yeah, dude, this has been awesome. I'm really, I'm really stoked. I hope everybody that's listening to this learned at least something about it. And if you're an alien fan, awesome. If you're not an alien fan, you find this stuff fascinating. That's really awesome too, because um, it's something really to take note in and 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 realize it's uh, the beauty of it. You know, it's some really brilliant stuff going on here and the decisions and stuff. So yeah, hopefully we didn't ramble too much about how much we love it. 
So like, yeah, like I've always just looked into Gushy because I mean, I feel <laughs> I spend quite a lot of time going, look how pretty everything is. It's true. Yeah. But unfortunately, when you're dealing with projects like this, you know, you're looking at stuff like this, there's only really can only really have that reaction to it. Absolutely. <laughs> but yeah, dude, we'll do it. We'll do another one, and um, yeah, let's 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 keep this rolling. Yeah. No, I look forward to it. That sounds that sounds great. Awesome, man. Well, I wish you the best with everything and just keep in touch. And um, and thank you guys, everybody, for listening. Appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, thanks, everybody. Yes, and go watch it again. Have fun with it and learn something from it. And that concludes this week's episode. Big thank yous to Gavin for coming on and talking Alien with me, along with a massive thank you to all the men and women who created a film that we can admire and love after all of these years. Have an amazing day, everybody. Be powerful. Be prolific. Peace out.